Welcome to episode 209 of the Overlook Hour. I am your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man who is on the phone with me right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's Randy Michaelstadt. That's me. Welcome to uh, 209, also known as the uh, area code of Modesto, California, and some of the Central Valley. Now, Randy, you just mentioned this to me, let's call it, 57 seconds ago. Sure. The reason why you know the area code to Modesto, California is because you have kinfolk in that area? Yeah, I have family in uh, both Modesto and Salida, California. Randy, that's fantastic. I've got kinfolk that live in Wesson, Mississippi, and I've grown up near Wesson, Mississippi my entire life. Up until 27 years old, Uh I couldn't even begin to tell you what that area code is. So this is, why do you know their area code? Uh, I've been to the 209 a lot in my life. I used to go out there and visit. It's weird. I don't like it. We got the 209. We got the 925. We got the 415. We got the 650. I know four. This shows you how stupid I am. I'm thinking zip code. Area code. All right, that's fine. Oh my god. Also, in Mississippi we have three area codes. Didn't alarm you that in the whole zip state. Code has three numbers in it. God, how many how many area codes are in the Bay Area? Too many. It's wild. There is three in the entire state of Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> We've got four million people. I mean, come on. You can live on three. What are you gonna do? Oksana Valeria Navanda Mosachi. I'm here. How are you today? I'm good. You had to go into the office? Yes. Unfortunately. How smoky is it in the city? Not terribly. Uh, I, I think I saw a guy in, in mid-poop, though. Oh, boy. Yeah. No. <laughs> you, you, y'all made eye contact? No, he was up the block. I was. It was actually when I was leaving, too. Um, I was in an Uber going to meet Russell, and I looked over, and I think I saw a guy crouch down bare-assed mm-hmm. about to poop on the street. I mean, I feel like if you haven't seen someone poop in the streets in San Francisco, <laughs> yeah. you haven't been here. I've seen it in Oakland outside uh, my window in my, my kitchen. Oh, no. You've se- you saw it in your home? <laughs> I saw it from my home. Yeah, the oh, shitting God. wasn't happening in my home. <laughs> well, I mean, there was, but it was in the proper place. Is that correct? Yeah. That's <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like a block away from my house that I could see from my window understand because he wasn't he was in the middle of the sidewalk it's not even like next to a building or in a like little nook or anything it's no. just sidewalk behind him was a chain link fence That's people were on the spot. street awful he had see through what are you gonna do <sighs> joining us on the show this week <laughs> uh we've got a special treat for you uh the writer and the director Quinn Armstrong and Vayu O'Donnell join us this week. Quinn is the director. Vayu is the star. Um, We talked to them both about their film survival skills and we wanted to get two different perspectives on the same motion picture. And uh, I'm glad we split it up this way. Got two separate uh, individual interviews and uh, great talk with both of them. Uh, Both very talented gentlemen that uh, frankly have no business being on this program. No. Because Russell brings them down. <laughs> Boom. Double burn. <laughs> no, they're great guys. Uh, had a great talk uh, with I, either. I was going to say each of them. And then it's either, but either would not be in this case. 
it doesn't matter. It's very tiring. It's a tired day. It's been a long day at work. So, Oksana, tell me how I can spend my time for the hour and a half that I have left of being awake because this <laughs> interview has gone on way too long. Well, luckily, I have several options that are available today on the recording day, Tuesday. Uh, followed hit VOD. Oh, yes. Everywhere. Like Amazon, DirecTV, Dish, Fandango Now, Google Play, iTunes. I've never even heard of Quibbility. Qu- Quibbly? Quibby? No, no, Quibby. No. Viquibidity? I can't even pronounce it, but it's on everything. Um, And of course, I mean, you guys talked to the director two episodes ago, I believe. Antoine Lay. So that is now available. Um, I'm still, I have my fingers crossed for a physical release, um, but currently it's just on VOD. But Murder Death Koreatown does have a physical release that's also out today. Um, It's it's still available streaming, but you can also buy your own uh, DVD or Blu-ray bootleg edition, which comes with several different audio options. The found footage purist cut, which has no music. Uh, he's got the MMR edition, which has no voices. I'm not really sure how that would play out. Oh, nice. Be interesting. Well, the version that we have is uh, misspelled spine. Murder Death Korea Town. <laughs> I did pre-order our own our Blu-ray. So he also has different languages, hard-coded subtitles. There's a lot of options. So if you go to murderdeathkoreatown.com, um, you can rent the movie from there or buy it directly from him. Um, also this week, I don't have the exact date, but um, Werner Herzog's new movie Nomad in the footsteps of Bruce Chatwin is going to be playing at the Roxy's virtual screening room. Um Jeez. So it's about his decades-long friendship with the travel writer Bruce Chadwin, a kindred spirit whose quest for ecstatic truth carried him to all corners of the globe. I'm sure Randy will talk about it when he sees it on movie in two months. <laughs> <laughs> he might rent it from the Roxy. He likes the Roxy. Um, so that's going to be available this week. Um, also coming out Friday the 4th. RLJE has like a new movie every week, it feels like. So they're releasing The Owners on limited theaters and on disc and streaming. It's about some friends who plan to rob an empty house full of cash, but are surprised when the elderly couple that lives there returns home. So it sounds kind of like a don't breathe with a married couple instead of a single guy. Yeah. And some shithead kids. So that's coming out Friday. Yeah, RLJE, they're. They're pumping it every week. Yeah, for real. It's <laughs> wild. Yeah, they had um, Spree. Spree, and then what was the other one? I uh, did they uh, the Pale Door? Wasn't that them too? Mm-hmm. And I think there was another one that I, I watched fairly recently. It was, was them as well. Yeah, their name has been popping up. They're a lot. out there. For any questions, queries, concerns, or comments, please direct those to podcast at overlooktheater.com. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, the other one. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. It's not even my business what you do on your own personal time. The Overlook Hour is available on Facebook as The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hour is available on Twitter as The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hour is available on Instagram as The Overlook Theater. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy, Randy. Ah, you forgot Podbean. That's the other one. Baby. Did I miss that? Social media site. (laughs) No, when I say the other. Oh, okay. I got you. I mean that and Spotify. Because I don't say either one of those. 
the Joe Rogan site. That's right. He's he's up and live on Spotify. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna subscribe. I don't think. Am I? Ten dollars. I'm not a Spotify person. You have to pay for Apple Music. Apple Music is where <laughs> I subscribe, baby. All right. Enjoy the rest of the episode and uh, have fun, lollipops. Waking up now, I realize I don't like coffins either. All right, all right. Uh, wait, what am I supposed to do now? It's your wait, bit. Okay, get creepy Clark. Get the hell out of here. Okay. Goodbye. Good. Now, now that wait, what? I'm speaking, <laughs> I'm speaking through the door now. Okay, no, you're fired. You That's fired. fine. <laughs> Unemployment is rather reasonable these all days. Right, all right, goodbye. There. You like that's a good trap door sound. I'm right? still here. Oh I've got nowhere to go. All right. Okay. <laughs> Randy, how's that bit doing for you? Okay. No one shuts a door like that. <laughs> what is that? Is that an eight-sided door? What is what, that? He really left that time. It it just took. I don't. He was being dramatic. I don't know. God, that was a. <laughs> That was a revolving wooden door is what that was. No, it's it, okay. Under the carpeting, you have to lift it up and then you have to walk under. There's oh a, it's a God. steep ladder. It's awful. Just be nice. Yeah, no, I, yeah. All right. But back to your original point about, uh, so Randy, I'll give you full disclosure here because you are not here with us as you have not been with us for, I think it's three years now. Uh, <laughs> Something I, like I wanna, that. I want to paint. I, I just want you to be included with us. So I'm, I'm going to walk you through what's happening right now. I'm eating some iced oatmeal cookies that are the uh, Lucky brand iced oatmeal cookies. Normally, I go for the mother's oatmeal cookie, but these were $2 cheaper. So I wanted to see what the little guys were doing. I'm telling you what, they're identical. <laughs> they're exactly <laughs> the same. And I, I'm a dunker. Okay, I'm going to come from a long line of dunkers. Russell, you a dunker? You just don't <laughs> you don't dunk your cooks? I do. Oreos, you have to. Randy, you a dunker? Uh, I'm going to say no, because I don't usually drink milk. So you don't have to. See, th- this is my exact point, Randall. I am not drinking milk. I am dunking my cookies in Diet 7-Up. Now, I don't know if I have discovered something new that will maybe maybe catch on to the counterculture of this nation and maybe mend our <laughs> fractured country together. Or I have an eating problem. One of those two things is happening. I think you're just working a bit. No, it, it tastes good. <laughs> Would you like me to prepare you a Diet 7-Up so and an oatmeal cookie? So preparing for a radio show with a headband and sunglasses? What is that? Let me explain something to you. <laughs> This is this is new Clark. All right. This is BC. Bandana Clark. Oh god. And the sunglasses. I don't hate it. I like the bandana. The sunglasses are an ongoing bit. Randy, I'm wearing bandanas now. Your thoughts? Um, opposed to it. 
Well, he's wearing them like a ninja turtle. Yeah. Well, not over his eyes, but they're they're around his head. <laughs> I'm only fans of uh, ascots, like our boy. Uh, what's yeah. his name? Wears. Now, yeah, see, that, that here, checks out. here's the thing with the bandana. You can easily. I can just move it south, and there we go. I'm I'm straight Bogdan. <laughs> Just take a quick trip down south, and we're straight Bangdani town. So what the hell are you dipping those in? Diet 7-Up. <sighs> now, most of the time, I, I will dip my cookies in milk. I will also dip my cookies in tea, coffee. Yeah. But I'm not... Dude, I'm drinking coffee, like, maybe twice a week now. I haven't drank Damn. in over a month. Really? I haven't had any coffee in over You're a month. You're like a coffee fiend, brother. I know. Six cups a day. It's been a month? Over a month. How you feel? I don't know. Are tired. You, <laughs> you, you, you get in caffeine via tea sometimes. Yeah, well, yeah? you know. Um, How much tea are you drinking? Like one. Uh, today I'm having two because we're recording on a weekday. But normally I I have iced tea. Yeah. One bag in, in whatever th- this thing holds. And okay. The, that's it. Yeah. It's good. You got to cut down on that caffeine. Do you? Caffeine's a tricky thing. <laughs> uh, it's a drug I enjoy, though. I really, man, my manager came in with a cup of coffee. I think sugar has to be worse for you, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the worst Sugar's thing, Sugar's the worst. Well, and mostly because there's no stigma. Like, like if, you know, like, I feel like people should be. Do you know why? Is because sugar was smart. Big sugar understood <laughs> that they, they went after the fat. Oh, yeah. That's that's how it all started. Well, our culture, yeah. we also like protect fat people. Like I should be getting scolded all the time to lose weight, and I don't. Actually, that might be one of the reasons why I don't like going to the doctor. Because you get in there and they're like, "Well, oh, you know, yeah. the, you know the obvious problem here," and it's like, "Don't even fucking bring it up." Oh yeah, yeah. No, see, here's the thing. Like the last time I went to my general uh, practitioner was oh, over two years ago. I remember you telling me about that guy. In like, yeah. And the he, Asian dude, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> little, little guy. He's a nice guy. He looks like he's 12 years old. Uh, but he was a nice guy. And very uh, I, I was on top of it for like six months. He, he told me of all these vitamins I'd have to take. And like, dude, you need to take vitamin D. You need to take your fish oil. You need to take Hell yeah. Yeah, yeast. Yeah. I'm on both right now. Really? I, I, you know why I stopped? Why? Is because I, I went back home and I, was, I took all my supplements with me. I was taking, God. dude, I was taking them every day. And I, I went to a football game, and this was uh, in September mm-hmm. in Mississippi, and it was raining, humid, and it was horrible. Uh, the I had the fish oil capsules the in my pocket. Which are huge. Uh, enormous. And they're gross. And they exploded. Oh. <laughs> and I ruined my, you cannot get fish oil smell out of clothes. It just does not happen. It was so vile that I just, I didn't, just tell, you I didn't take them ever again. Did anybody call you on it? No, because it was raining. So that helped. And I did, oh, I don't think I noticed it until after you could play that I was off. Like, what does it smell just be like i went to the strip club and, and, then, uh, and then i and then i w- reached into my pocket and just saw this empty plastic capsule no dude where the fish oil used to be and just say a date was grinding up on you and you know ew Shoot. <laughs> it'd be like it was humid it was raining <laughs> also the burping is fucking vile like i used to have like fish fish oil burps that oh, were like fish oil burps dude you could you got fob yeah <laughs> <laughs> I spell it with a P, though. Nice. (laughs) Thanks, Randy. I got it. (laughs) Okay. 
you talked about your cookies. Do you want uh do you want the one clip I got? It's mostly just because let's I was do. thinking of you. Let's, let's morning zoo it up. So uh yeah, we're we're gonna morning zoo it here. Uh you may have heard about this story. Hey, did you guys hear about this? You hear about the the monkeys talking? No. I mean outside of Roddy McDowell? Uh d- did you hear about it, Randy? No. All right. So I've been gone. I had a long weekend. I'll I'll get into that after. But there's a bunch of shit I missed, and that would have been great clips. Like Elon Musk revealed the the Neuralink. Did you hear about this? Rogan talk about them? No. He's like all over it. He brought a pig out on stage, and what? he was sniffing around, and there was beeps coming out, and he's like, "That's the brain transmission." Beeps coming yeah. out of a pig. Well, because he had the implant, and he put him on a treadmill, and he was like, "See, the brain knows that he's going to move his legs before he does." And he, you know, anyway, there's been a <laughs> bunch of interesting shit coming out. Um. I believe it was Preston, Princeton, Preston, Pr- Princeton <laughs> University did a, uh, they did some research on uh, monkeys and like vocalizing. Like the idea is, uh, why do we talk? But like primates are, are close cousins don't. And they were looking at the macaw, the macaque, the macaque monkey. And um, they realized that they have the same vocal cords that would allow them to speak English or, you know, anything. They could uh, manifest it. So they created a computer program just to mimic what they would sound like. Now, are you, uh, I was going to transition out of Creepy Clark mm-hmm. because it, it sounds kind of terrifying. Of also, the monkey talk. Of the monkey talking. And also, I don't know why they, ma- they picked this phrase for them, but uh, are you ready for it? What kind of, uh, first of all, what kind of monkey are we talking It's a macaw? Macaque? Oh, ma- macaque? Yeah. How the hell do you, what do you pronounce that? It's a macaque, right? Yeah, I'm sure, that sounds okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a you know monkey. It's got a long tail. I think we talked about this like we did a couple weeks ago. All right, are you ready for it? As ready as I'll ever be. All right, here we go. Could you hear that, Randy? Yeah, it's pretty creepy. Okay, do you do you hear what it's saying? It sounded like a grindcore vocalist. Here we go. Let's no. go. Would you marry me? It says, "Will you marry me?" Oh my god! Oh, weird. That's terrifying. <laughs> Do it one yeah. more time. I can totally hear it now that you, I know what it's saying. Yeah, but it's it's like a very like guttural like. Why is it? Will you marry me? I don't. I you know in this article and uh, also I'll uh, I'll put up the the video. There's a video just for the easy, easy audio, but I'll put up an article about the um, academic end of it. I don't know why they picked this. I don't like this. Every article I've read about it, though, they've got a joke about it where it's like, oh, a very uh, romantic monkey saying. It's terrifying. I don't like it. sounds like very weird. (laughs) It sounds like one of those uh, ads to tell you to stop smoking. All right. All right. Monkey. Oh, yeah. Say it one more time. All right. No, get out of here. Yeah, He he lives a creepy clock. I'm still here, by the way. That was just a bad impression. Okay. Um, no, dude. Elon Musk, have you been following it? Like, no. The, the, him tunneling out under the cities, getting ready for the, uh, what the hell is that thing called? The Hydro Loop? Or oh, the I, told, Hyper Loop? I told you about that with it, when he went cruising in the Cybertruck with Jay Leno. That's oh, good dude. Randy, do you have any stock in Tesla? Uh, I do not, no. I think they, um, you know, I'm not going to get into stock options right now. Yeah, they just did like a stock split. Stock? Yep, they did. So now's the time. Randy, you gotta you gotta show me how to do the stock shit. I need to put my money somewhere. I need to grow it. Get uh get Robin Hood. I don't really know that much about 
you know, what's good to buy or anything, but Tesla is probably good. What do you got? You just got cryptocurrency, huh? Uh, yeah. And then Apple just split as well. So yeah, I, I have some Apple now too. My Apple split. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's a, it's a thing where they split up shares into a, a vastly larger number so that people can get a smaller piece of it. And well, buy they in. were talking about for a long time going back to private. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, uh, after China forces them to China, they're not in bed with China, right? <laughs> It's just the TikTok and Rather, the you know. 5G. <laughs> anyway, okay. So I don't. Ha- I'm not heavy on the movies this week, and I know you got 48 movies you want to talk about. Randy is on on task with only two. What do you want to hear about? I did a bunch of shit this weekend, and I don't want to just like. Okay, fine. You didn't say anything. I wasn't going to offer are you up. Gonna, any are you going to talk about it right now? Or are you going to save it for Before, your end? right now? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um. God, it's been a fucking long weekend. Yesterday, I just got back from uh, Lake Shasta, which... Now, for our listeners that maybe are not... Uh, from California? Have a geographical knowledge. It's up by Redding. Of the Golden State. So Again. It's, um, how many hours north here, of San here. Francisco? Let's I, start there. I'll put it this way. Uh, so, Shasta, you got to drive up into a mountain. Then you drive down into a valley. And then there's this little like port area where there's a store with a restaurant. And you pay for whatever, and then you go down on a dock. And that's is there a surly up. waitress there named well, Flo? Oksana went up there with their sister, and uh, they went to go get water, like before we left on the boat. Like, what of life? And uh, they got in the store, and she went, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot my mask. And the lady behind the counter came up and said, don't worry, honey, here it's still a choice. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's how far north in California. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right does that, that will paint a picture um because in the bay area open mouth kissed her. <laughs> no they she was kind of in a plastic um square they did that thing. aren't we all yeah well you are <laughs> um you know like 7-eleven or whatever where they have that like sure. bulletproof partition yeah, yeah they had one of those um it, it is like a different world though yeah you go out there and it one I'm in the daylight all day, which is not my normal Dude, life. You go an hour outside of here, you're in a different world. That's true. You've been to Gilroy? Well, the Bay Area, we're in a bubble for sure. Oh, yeah. But like way out there, yeah, it uh it's different. Also, just being in nature, like living on water for like three days. I love it. Whatever. Before that, it was Terrell's birthday on Wednesday. Yeah. So that was the fucking shit show. We just got drunk. Mystique Summers from RuPaul's Drag Race season one came out and she fucking hung out for two days. Then we went on um uh the isolation thing we were doing with barely functional gamers. And uh my God. Just like, dude, it was like three days of nonstop drinking. Then right onto a boat, it's seven AM. And it, and all well, after four hours of driving north, man. This Wait, is what was it? Seven a.m. That's when we had to get up. Oh yeah, because we got the hell out of here at eight. That is true. Yeah, I don't know. Mystique was great. Uh, I think that that full videos on uh, what the hell they do it on Twitch? Twitch. Yeah, if you want to watch it, I think Oksana's cutting it down. Man, she's hella cool. She came out and just played ball. Also, they went to Oakland. She wanted to go check out a store up there, mm-hmm. and she went to a Walmart. And uh, she took a picture of the socks they had because they had them locked up. And she went, oh, this is this is ghetto. So she <laughs> took a picture of it. And then she found a fucking switch there. They had one console there, which I, I know, Clark. Um, 
A to, Nintendo Switch? Yeah. To give you context, you can't find those shits anywhere. And really? here in the Bay Area, yeah. In the Bay Area, you um we have like a collector market. So you know how Terrell's big on Blu-rays and sure. like buying them? Dude, he's got competition out there. One time he grabbed um that Thor movie everybody hated, Dark World. Yeah. He grabbed two because he got a steel book for me, and a dude like chewed him out over it. He was just like, what the fuck? Because there was a line out the building in the beginning of the day. For Thor? Yeah. Well, it's not even, I don't even really think the movie matters. It's just the quantity and the um, release. We're doomed. Uh, it's just the Bay Area. Because you, if you drive up to Reading, yeah, it's up there. I mean, dude, you have a bunch of people living in their house. Like, this is pre-quarantine, of course, but. Now, Russell, I have a question for you. And uh, I feel like I know the answer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that uh, I'm projecting a bit, but I think this is a missed opportunity if you did not. But what? since you drove north, did you happen to go into French Gulch, California? No. Because I know you were very close to it. I wasn't driving. I definitely thought about it, okay. though. And uh, yeah, no, Zach is always on my mind, even though um, Zach, our homie at Intervision, who was texting me about Cobra. And it was crushing me. I was out there doing a family thing on a boat. So I, I was telling Clark this right before we started recording. We moved the houseboat to a little cove on day two that I could get like a phone connection. And what I did with it was at night when I got into my little tiny bunk with Oksana, I was like, hey, you want to watch a video? And I have, you know, uh, Bluetooth headphones, put them in. She fell asleep before the video started. And I just <laughs> went, all right, I guess we're watching Cobra. And I just caught, dude, I laid there. In the in a lake, <laughs> watching watching Cobra. I was dude. I was like, I gotta catch up. I, Randy, I know you've been behind on Cobra. He was a uh, convinced that he was gonna do voice acting for a new cartoon that was gonna launch on Comedy Randy, Central. It got really bad. Uh, <laughs> I I think he got into his whole YouTube account, which is really the only way Cobra is making money now. Yeah, all the videos came down. They came back up. But there were eight videos that had never been posted, and they were all of him smoking weed. Hell yeah. Dude, which, no, it's fucked because he lives in Wyoming, so it's illegal. But he always talks about, like, yeah, you know, I'll smoke weed, like, if I'm in Colorado. Because that's what him and his buddies would do. It's like, oh, we'll drive north to Colorado, and then we'll get some weed. And uh, so we just got eight videos of him being, like, a hardcore white trash pothead where he he did a video on how to make a bong out of like an alhambra water bottle and (laughs) dude it was weird it was one of the best cognitive moments for cobra but it was also like really dark and then all the videos went away and then he made a new channel and then yeah yeah randy i was i was very out of touch um you hung out when we had a mystique on um isolation right i can never remember the name of the fucking show i'm on yeah i was there for most of the time yeah it's isn't that fucked up <laughs> like originally when we were creating the idea for that uh twitch stream yeah i was telling him you know when if the pandemic ever ends and we have guests out here i think it would be fun to bring like these random people that uh always turn out to be cool because we have good luck and just bring them on the show and throw them into like a drinking horror game situation and now that it actually happened i was kind of like oh this could be bad yeah but she i I mean she plays ball and she plays video games which helped all right i'm I'm rambling clark 
now you're back in the room. Yeah, I had to go take care of some business. You had to put gel on your uh, the bee. Groin. I had to TC the bee, so I apologize. <laughs> uh, Randy Michael, yes, sir. Uh, from what I understand, uh, you watched also a lot of motion pictures this weekend. I, from including Friday until today, I've seen eleven motion pictures. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've seen uh, 10 since last time we Damn. recorded. All right. Touche there. A lot of I, docks, actually, too. A lot of docking? Did you dock A lot yourself? of docking. Yeah, I just watched 2001 <laughs> Space Odyssey on repeat. Oh, Randy, excellent choice. It's always good. Where's she ever seen that? The most beautiful <laughs> movie of all I've never heard of it. It's a guy named Stanley Kubrick. It? <laughs> yeah, it's all right. <laughs> but I heard you can that skip it. He showed the Earth, but it wasn't flat. I'm confused. Oh, that is true. <laughs> that is true. He got it wrong. That bastard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Randy. What uh, what'd you see, man? Uh, yeah, one of the things that I have seen lately uh, is a movie on Prime called Gutterbug, which I think came out. It played some festivals last year. Uh, pretty small, uh, very independent movie directed by Andrew Gibson. Uh, and it is kind of like this super indie, low-budget, like, punk rock train spotting. I'm in. Um, yeah, and the main character, uh, his name is Bug, and he's, like, this crust punk who's homeless. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of substance abuse problems and some mental illness, uh, and the movie takes place pretty much in, like, a couple days around his 21st birthday. Um, and he has uh, two friends named Slim and Jenny that are also like just these, you know, very homeless uh, gutter punks. <laughs> very uh, homeless. And they just, you know, they're hanging out and like doing drugs and stealing shit. And uh, yeah, it, uh, it takes place, like I said, around his uh, 21st birthday where he kind of decides to go back home. Um, he, uh, the movie takes place like outside of Boston. I'm not sure if it's actually in Boston or like a suburb, but um. Uh, yeah, the whole the whole movie I I super dug. It's very, uh, like I said, it's very indie uh, and low budget, but it doesn't actually look. Uh, it didn't bug me at least, like the fact that it was like super low budget, mostly because the performances were so good. The guy who plays Bug, uh, his name is Andrew Yackel. Uh, yeah, and he's super great. It's just like a very believable, uh, lived in performance. Like you could tell that he's like super strung out. Uh, there's some, you know, <laughs> drug scenes that look, you know, he's just like super like hyperactive. Um, and I thought he, he absolutely killed it. Um, the ending goes for some like pretty big emotions, um, that worked and mostly that for me. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it, it was okay. But, um, so there's some, uh, performances towards the end of the movie that I didn't think really met, uh, Andrew's performance and it kind of it kind of held me back from kind of like, you know, kind of getting to where they wanted to go a little bit. Yeah. But besides that, um, it's super good. I recommend it to anyone that's into like kind of punk indie films. Um, I texted Robbie after watching it. Cause he's like the only person I know who's like really into film and like was also sort of in the same scene as me. Uh, like music wise, punk and hardcore, are very different, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of crossover. like, my old band red handed, uh, when we went on tour, we were, I don't know, we kind of like 
cross the genres between like punk and hardcore. But I mean, I've definitely met like plenty of these type of people on tour. Um, Let let me stop you gentlemen. Because again, I, I come from a different place at a different time. And maybe I don't know what exactly what the fuck crust punk is. Yeah, well, another word for it is like a gutter punk, which is where gutter bug comes from. Gutter snipe, my favorite yeah. word. <laughs> Basically, yeah, you like, you're probably homeless. You kind of just hang out in the streets, hang out in gutters. Gotcha. So, yeah, just kind of a uh, kind of dirty looking, very punk rock, just like doesn't give a shit about anything. Um, musically, they tend to be a little bit heavier. Like, I get a lot of crossover. Like, I have crust punk albums. What? Yeah, is Gigi Allen crust punk? Ooh, uh, Randy, oh. I feel like it would work culturally. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know because I've never really listened to anything. It's <laughs> Yeah, I haven't listened either. I would say just like kind of the aesthetic of it probably crosses over a little bit, but maybe it's like a little like shock rock too. So I don't know. Yeah, but I think there's definitely rock. a little bit of it there. Now, Randy, you you mentioned that this is. Um, Train spotting. Now, is it train spotting in the sense of that we're dealing with this subculture, or is it train spotting in the sense of that we've got Danny Boyle influences and it's very uh, active camera and very frantic in that way? Yeah, it's not as frantic uh, style wise. So, yeah, kind of just like the subculture, um, which I felt like they got rather um, right. And um, yeah, and the, the third act goes pretty far um so i think that's where i kind of started to feel the like train spotting uh influences a little bit now where was it shot oh i, I see it right Boston. here yeah okay yeah because they have that gummo shot like i you know i flipped through all the um imdb photos whenever you're talking about these films and yeah it looks beautifully shot it looks and the equipment they're lugging around looks like they they rented it for some money but they they have that gummo shot on the fucking overpass like three times in here oh, okay yeah right i don't know if you've ever seen um lovers on the bridge the leo Carax film he did uh holy motors oh no i have not i got a little bit of that that's very i don't know it's a lot more artsy um, but i kind of got some vibes bridge. from that dude <laughs> lovers on the bridge <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the cover of lovers on the bridge looks like a randy movie it looks yeah. like they're doing some fucking. Now uh, I look. I stand by Leo's Carrick's. You understand? Yeah. Holy Motors Same. is something to behold. He has a new one that was supposed to come out this year that I believe is a what? musical. <gasps> Sign me up and I know. shit it out, baby. I'm very excited for it. Um, last <laughs> thing on Gutterbug, though, I was doing some extra research today, uh, and I found out the distributor is uh, Cynodyne. And Glasshouse Distribution. Do you know who runs Glasshouse? Oh, that's Fessenden, right? That's Tom Glass Malloy. Eye. Glass Eye. Wait, Tom Malloy Tom runs Tom Malloy? <laughs> yep. I think I do that, actually. Yeah, so uh, I, I actually, there was a little write-up um, that Tom Malloy wrote about Cutterbug. So, yeah, he, so he, he backs the movie. My man. All right, I gotta, I'm got i going to take a note. I'm going to be like, Tom, what the fuck, dude? We're home. Remember, we had that poster of you at Up That's right. <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> and like four years ago, you came on the podcast. Damn, that's been so long. Dude. Yeah. Randy, you recorded that one, right? I believe so. Yeah. 
Yeah, God, there's like Nilo that was, that was, was just in, that was in the Disney dungeon. Too. He was such a blip on this show. Yet whenever <laughs> we go back to like anything pre 100, I'm like, well, was that Randy? Nilo I'm, only did maybe like 10. Okay, the, the, yeah. the meltdown was episode 11. You know what? Can um, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there to anybody. If you listen to the show and you go back to an old episode, and there's a particular um sound bite that is we just need. Can you email me? Just tell me when. I'll go in there. I'll pull it. But like, I feel like Nilo's probably got a bunch, and we should be dropping him on (laughs) (laughs) old school vigilante. Old school school vigilante. Uh, He got shut down. Got shut down. Yeah, but I'm gonna put that out to anybody. And Randy, I looked up um, the movie you're talking about. Clark, you want to? It's even more up, Clark (gasps) Sally. Yeah, you didn't read it. It's called Annette. And a stand-up comedian and his opera singer wife have a two-year-old daughter with a surprising gift. Sign <laughs> me up. Also, I am a former stand-up comedian, and I briefly dated an opera singer. Oh, you did? Yes. I think Alex Jones broke you up. No, no, no. That was a different girl. Here, let me pull that up. Did you all see the video with Alex Jones in the armored truck? He no. rolled into te- oh I don't need to pull it up if you're interested <laughs> in that now you may need to save it because we I think we've got some more Alex Jones talk for one of the uh, movies that we're going to talk about oh, really <laughs> oh okay yeah oh yeah um all right Randy what's the other one you got Beth? uh the other one I think actually played Fantasia as well which I did not uh, take part in but it's uh you cannot kill David Arquette um directed by David. Darg and Prince James. I'm reading this in handwriting that I wrote that I cannot read. <laughs> Dude, um, I do that all the time. But yeah, it's a it's a documentary about David Arquette and about how he kind of gets back into the uh, the wrestling thing after his stint with uh, wrestling and the wrestling community community kind of hating him for it uh, during the ready to, ready to rumble days. I do not know a whole lot about wrestling. But I was a big fan of the movie Ready to Rumble. It's an excellent film. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you know, he kind of uh, didn't do a whole lot acting-wise besides, like, the Scream movies. And it, he kind of uh, felt like he kind of uh, got some hate for, like, the wrestling thing and, like, the acting community, too. So, uh, yeah, this movie, yeah, it takes place 20 years later. And it's about him training uh, to become a wrestler because he wants to kind of, like, do it the right way and, like, actually gain respect from the people in the community because he actually really liked watching wrestling, uh, growing up. And, um, yeah, I really, really dug this, uh, very surprised, like what he goes through during this movie. Um, so yeah, I guess it starts like roughly a year after he gets sober is when he decides he wants to do this. And, um, yeah, they, they straight up, We'll take him to, uh, like, one of the first things he does, they go to this, like, backyard wrestling thing. And they kind of, like, talk it up a little bit, but they're, like, you know, it's just, like, 12 kids in, like, a backyard. Like, I don't even know where the hell they were. I forget. Somewhere in L.A. or outside of L.A. Amazing. (laughs) And, yeah, they just do backyard wrestling. Like, before David Arquette gets in the ring, like, the ring, like, breaks, and they have to fix it. And then uh, he goes to Mexico and trains with people, and then he does some, like, street wrestling, like, at stoplights. Oh, I'm down. Whoa. Yeah. And he straight up, like, yeah, he does, uh, you know, real uh, moves or real stunts and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it actually gets kind of gnarly at one point. Um, but, yeah, I was I was really into it. 
Now, um, I know you're not a big wrestling fan, like you mentioned, Randy. Yeah. And Clark, you're a fan of this movie, but not a huge wrestling fan, right? I, I, I don't keep up with it anymore, but I was as a as a kid. So, yeah. Yeah. At the time, Randy, um, oh, how do I tell this story properly? Here in America, we have the free market. And if you have a company and you provide a service, another company can pop up and be like, I think I could do that better than you. Um, Ted Turner did that with the WCW. He uh, bought out some uh, wrestling um, leagues and combined them and put them in malls. And he took talent because he had a ton of money. And, uh, you know, back in the day, WWF was struggling with it because there was a new uh, there was a competition. Me too. Now, one of the things WCW did was they let a lot of the wrestlers uh, get in the creative room. So they were creating stories that were more interesting or, you know, that were uh, easy to play into as characters. So a lot of real life shit would come out. Anyway, as the creative room got crazier and crazier, uh, it wasn't always better. (laughs) So it kind of plateaued early and was going downhill. And then David Arquette showed up to a uh, pay-per-view and won the world championship. And for a lot of people, that was the jump the shark moment where they're like, wait, now we're not even doing a buildup. There's no story here. And you gave it to a fucking Hollywood guy. Yeah. And they're like, well, I'm done with you. Like, fuck you. And then (laughs) the movie came out and you know, it was, it's not bad. Like I, I like it. And I, I was very angry that he won, but then I watched the movie and I'm like, you know, I kind of like this though. <laughs> and I think what they wanted was they wanted the movie to come out and then he would come in and like win. And it was almost like a continuation. Yeah. Nobody liked it. Nobody fucking liked it. Um, and we did, we got a, we got an email saying that, uh, he's doing interviews for that film. Should we try and reach out to him, Randy? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, sure. <laughs> I think we have one more day to, Watch yeah, it ain't gonna happen anyway. I don't. I wouldn't know what to say to him. I'd be like, "Hey, dude, uh, he's a person just like any other person." Yeah, but <laughs> I, I feel like when you hit—that's a quote. When you hit like celebrity, like he—he's had. Yeah. I think he kind of gets. Uh, or you know, I'm projecting a lot, but I think um, if we were to get a David Arquette, he would come in with a wall up, and our format, we it would take a long time to get through. You can't control that. You can't think about it. It's just it's gonna be what it's gonna be, and you figure it out. Yeah, I know. That's it. And, I, you know, I feel like it's uh, Dewey, bro. more recently, I've been there where it's just kind of like, yeah, hey, fuck it. We're talking to a person. We like their shit. Let's just roll, with, roll it. with it. But I don't know. I feel like I would get weird if we got. Anyway, I'm not going to try. So this doesn't I would matter. too, but I would hide it. <laughs> <laughs> just turn your mic off and chew some cookies. All right. Now, um, all right, Randy, that you got those two to the table. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I got those two on the table. <laughs> All right. Um so I know that we, we had some overlap here and uh, I'm yeah. going to mention 2001. The, the titles of the 10 movies that I have seen since Saturday. 11 since Friday. Were any of them Kubrick? Let's talk about 11. Um and then uh so one of these I am going to talk about one more than I briefly mentioned with you Russ, but I I'm, I'm going to I put the timer on. I think I can get this done in 15 minutes. Randy, can you keep time? Yep. All it's right. 36 right now. Okay. <laughs> I feel good. All right. So the first movie I watched on Friday, documentary on HBO called Class Action Park. Saturday, oh, I watched oh. a movie I called- I thought we were going to talk about it a little bit. Class Action Park is about, there's an amusement park that was an amusement park in New Jersey uh, that started in the 1970s called Action Park. Um, this was built by a Wall Street mogul 
who got kicked out of Wall Street because he's dirty. And he came across some sanctions and uh, anyway. That's all it takes now. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm going to build a ski resort next to a water park. He essentially invented a water park. The thing is, is that the rides and the ideas were not built by engineers. They were built by oh, anyone who had an idea. That's tight. And he had money. And then they built these rides. Uh, several people died at this at this yep. amusement park. Three people, I think, died in the wave pool. Um, and uh, it was just completely unregulated. The lifeguards were everyone who worked there was teenagers. No one cared. It was a massive park. This is not just some shoddy thing. This is an enormous park. And they would have Chris Gethard uh, is a comedian uh, I quite enjoy. He um he plays a big part in this documentary, and he talks about growing up there as a child, and like you come back to school from the summer, go in Action Park, and you 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 talk about your scrapes you and your say bruises. goodbye to your loved ones. Yeah, <laughs> you say you got a scrape and bruise. Oh, you went to Action Park. Dude, that's it's a, it's a part of it. So uh, the, the documentary is okay. Um, the, it just goes over that. So uh, then Saturday I watched a movie called Sea Fever. We'll talk about that. Then watched a movie that Randy watched called Get Duked, which is the new film on Amazon Prime, a British film uh, featuring the great Eddie Izzard. Uh, oh. Then, then one Russell Fisher. I finally saw Escape from New York. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> nice. Then on Sunday, I, for no reason at all, um, I have seen bits of all of these movies, but I, to my recollection, have not seen any of these in completion. As you know, I'm a giant Western fan, but the spaghetti Western is a, uh, I, I, I'm much more, um, it's more of a blind spot in my Westerns as Westerns are, are very important and sentimental to me because I used to watch them with my grandfather a lot. And he is a, he was a John Wayne guy. So John Wayne, Gary Cooper, high noon, all of those were more in my purview. So the, um, the man with no name trilogy, I had not seen. Mm -hmm. So watched all three of those on Saturday. Uh, excuse me, Sunday. So it was a fistful of dodge for a few hours more and the good, bad, and the ugly. Did uh, you watch my, my collection? Yes. Okay. A beautiful transfer. Uh, for the record, for a few dollars more is the best one. The second one. Okay. <laughs> he gets he gets too cute in the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's too cute. You know the the, the runtime is an hour long, longer than the other ones, and uh, he he gets too cute. Anyway, then a movie called Ravage, which I'll also talk about. Then a movie called Primal, what which you, I will talk, talk about. Sleep which we saw as Fantasia and then too big to fail for no reason. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the HBO films uh, movie about uh, the financial crisis of 2008, which I have seen years ago, but I decided to rewatch it because I was listening to a WTF interview with Brid Billy Crudup. And I was like, I'm, I like Billy Crudup. Let's watch a Billy Crudup movie. And of course it was one that I had already seen. And I don't like that movie where he plays a rock star that everybody loves. So no, uh, yeah. No Kubrick. Why would I watch Kubrick? The Shining is a good movie. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. So, Randy, let uh, I'll bring you in on this. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Get Duped, which I think um, I don't know if I have laughed harder this year than watching uh, Get Duped. Why, do, why about, do I know the title of this movie? Not sure. Did don't Scary Thoughts post about it or something? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, you then, commented, and I commented on it. On yeah, it. which you never do. I, you know, for all the shit Man, I give you, I like this movie. While watching movies, you're always on your phone. I see you're on fucking Instagram. Yeah. You never post or comment. Not true. You just don't see the circles okay, that I'm that, in. That might be true, baby. Yeah, get duped uh, by director Ninny and Doff. Uh, Mr. Doff, I apologize uh, for butchering your first name. Enjoy <laughs> your film. Three miscreants in Britain are taken off to this, uh, I don't know, for this badge or something that, with the Duke of wherever they are. <laughs> long, All right, good. Long, it doesn't matter what the plot is, because I, I briefly just want to mention how fun this is. The movie is, it goes broad comedy at times, and it turns into a teen romp. But man, is it, there's so many jokes in this, and a lot of the jokes work. Some don't, but what are you going to do? Because it's nonstop jokes, and the characters are great, and there's ongoing bits that uh, made me laugh. The, there's an ongoing bit about uh, one of the kids um, who is um, a little bit slower in the uh, brain department. He goes on and on about the, how sharp his fork is. Okay. It's the funny, it's my <laughs> favorite thing of how it kept bringing back, to, they're, they're trying to forge weapons because they're, uh, the Duke happens to be uh, a killer and it's Eddie Izzard and he's trying to kill these boys. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, he's a part of a community. So that's all part of the film, but they're, they're trying to think on their feet that they've got to fight back. So they're trying to build bombs to throw back at him with all these camping materials that they have. And he got, he keeps pulling out his fork. It's well sharp. It's a well sharp fork. All right. And then he stabs Eddie Izzard with it. And then off screen, we just hear Eddie Izzard say, my God, that sharp, that fork is sharp. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> well, I understand <laughs> that I butchered it. That's okay. No, no. The first time I ever went to Comic-Con, oh, we uh, did not book a hotel. And we ended up staying uh, two towns over across the bridge, which I later learned there was a you riot. You didn't pull a Kitas? There was a riot the you weekend didn't go under before. The bridge? And uh, we ate at a diner that served um, somehow raw yet completely frozen chicken nuggets. Mm -hmm. They were gnarly. Um, there was a dude screaming in the corner. Uh, the waitress told us, it's okay. He just got out of prison. He'll be okay in a couple of days. <laughs> and outside, there was a guy with a pipe. And he was staring through the window at us, and he kept, uh, you know, like you do with a baseball bat when you're trying to menace somebody, right? And as he was coming in, uh, our buddy at the time um, grabbed a fork off of his, uh, off the table and put it in his pocket. They're like, what are you doing? He's like, man, we might need these later. It's <laughs> <laughs> very like, similar. What the fuck? Uh, mind you, I had a... Uh, Given into temptation and I ate churros in Mexico the day before. Hell yeah. And I had liquid coming out of every hole in my body. Oh, God. Yeah. And it lasted for a whole day. And then I pounded a thing of Pepto Bismol. And I'm here to talk about it. Came out of your ears? <laughs> it's coming out of everything. Nose, eyes. Randy, what'd you think of Get Duped? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, like I said, all the characters uh, are interesting and just kind of fun, the whole movie. Um, yeah, you know, they're both, they're all, uh, city folk and they're in the wilderness. So there's a, you know, there's some, some jokes about that. And one of the kids wants to be a rapper. Um, so it's got this kind of like hip hop element to the movie. DJ. Uh, Beat yeah. This recurring, uh, run the jewel song plays throughout the movie. It's very good. Yeah. 
I like um, the yeah. original title of the film more, Boys in the Wood. Oh, that is good. <laughs> Why didn't they keep that? That is better. I feel like it. I What the fuck does Get Duked mean? Because the Duke of wherever they are. Dude, Boys in the Wood. Boys in the I Wood. I feel like it sets good. it That's up. pretty good. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> they messed up. Boys in the Wood is very good. All right. You got, Randy, what, how are we doing on time? We're, we're in one movie. Uh, that fork story that you said had uh, that oh, is not yeah. impeding okay. on my time. All right. Say, um, I reclaim my time. Like so, <laughs> yes. The speaker from Mississippi has. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. One of the movies I want to talk about again, uh, Sea Fever. Yep. Uh, which was recommended to us uh, by former guest. Um, oh God, Ray Sullivan. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Pulled it. Uh, Ray's an Irish filmmaker, and he was telling us about uh, some other impressive Irish films that he has seen um, in recent memory. And one of those was Sea Fever, which is available on Hulu right now for your viewing pleasure. Uh, The crew of a West Ireland trawler, that's a boat, Randy, uh, marooned (laughs) at sea, struggle for their lives against a growing parasite in their water supply. (sighs) This movie is a bummer, man. Uh, and I mean that in the best way. I love movies where you're stuck <laughs> somewhere. Okay. I love movies on a boat. What was that movie we saw on the submarine? Oh, with Ryan Reynolds and he's buried. I I do like. That I movie. know. <laughs> I stand. <laughs> you're talking about Black Sea. Black Sea. Black Sea. Uh, so yeah. good. great movie, and I bring it up all the time. I love Black Sea. Yeah. Um. I. I. Yeah. So this is we're, we're on a boat. They're they're all fishermen and. Um, there's a uh, young lady on the boat, uh, Shaban, and she is a scientist and she's there to basically oversee any weird stuff that's happening. And one of the weird stuff is happening there. So <laughs> you got a captain and of course the captain, he's an asshole and a commander. Okay. He's an asshole. And they go through an area where they're not supposed to go through. And of course, they then they hear a so the like boat goes crazy. <laughs> and then they realize, and then they think they've got some uh, new like um, corals or something on the boat. And it turns out, and then they think it's a giant squid. But it's these weird animal things that are parasites and it's killing everybody because it's getting into the water supply. And so there, there's a, a, a good body horror going on here. And the term sea fever is a term that uh, fishermen use or, or anyone working on boats of where you're stuck out on sea for a very long time and you just lose it. Mm-hmm. This cabin fever, sea fever yeah. is the same thing. And um, boy, the ending of this is well, don't very ruin grim. It. Uh, it's yeah. very grim. Okay. Um, there, a- there's a lot. Uh, it's a very, it's a very small film. meaning that again, we're, we're on the boat. And then we get on another boat for a very brief time, and then okay, we get back on the you, boat. This is the weirdest breakdown of a movie. <laughs> I don't think much. I but have, yet you said everything. <laughs> I really enjoy Sea Fever. Uh, pretty good body horror here, and uh, it's a bummer. <laughs> God. Okay, Randy, how are we doing on time? We got fourteen more movies. We got we got, we got some minutes. I'm crushing it right now. All right. Yeah, we're doing it. good. Okay. <clears throat> Escape from New York. Oh God, you're gonna talk about it. I just want to say I feel bad. I love the film. You you watching it? There are too many emotions. I didn't want to get into them. What What do you do? Do you think that I enjoyed Escape from New York? Yeah, probably not. Why? I don't know. It's you're, fun. You're boring. I don't know. No, Escape from New York is great. Okay, I had a blast. You know, uh, I, I I think that watching Escape from New York got me going on the Man uh, with No Name trilogy. Okay, because of Lee Van Cleef. 
who okay, yeah. has a weird character in Escape from New York. Every, everybody's a weird character. Yeah, he's in got that. that weird earring. You also got Duke in there. You got a character named Duke. Yes, you do. Yeah. The Duke. Yeah. Isaac Hayes. I was like, yeah, you forgot Dude, about him. Ernie B shows up. Yeah. No, it's, it's a taxi great. Drama. You know, I think the real strength of that movie, though, is just Pliskin is a uh, dude that we know nothing about, except he is in jail and that they yeah. respect him. No, 100%. There, there is a moment. I don't know. Did you watch any of my like movie, like the Blu-ray or the DVD? Or I have like two collectors. I only know I, I watched it on. Uh, I was on Prime. Okay. If you would have watched any of the collector one, I think I have like a Shout Factory one and there's like the old DVD one. They have a deleted scene that was the reason Pliskin went to jail oh. and it ruins the movie. Yeah, I bet so. And um, John Carpenter talking about that, like I remember when I was in high school hearing him, it just like changed storytelling for me. Also, in, like, I love how uh, there's a character named Cronenberg and there's a character named um, Cravens. Huh? Craven. Right. Yeah, okay. No, is it Craven? I don't know. I just no, threw it's out not Craven. <laughs> no. God damn it. I don't even remember Cronenberg. There's a Cronenberg. Hold on. I gotta look it up right now. Randy Vamp. Vamp? Yeah, it's like when you uh just start talking about things just to fill up time because Clark's looking at his phone to figure oh, out job. what the other character's name is. Here, uh well uh I'll go <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh Romero. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a Romero and a Cronenberg. I enjoyed that. That was All right. That was my original last name. Yes, it was. Yeah. Russell Romero. That's a strong name. Gets <laughs> alliteration. Yeah. I know. My mom's a dork. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about a movie that Russell watched for a brief moment what? yesterday as he came back in uh, from um, Lake Shasta. Saw me lounging in there. I was going to pivot off the monkey. To, you know, the monkey talking off this movie, but I yeah. thought it would be too late. Yesterday, for no reason, no reason at all, just uh, perusing uh, Hulu. As I could think of a few. Based upon a recommendation by the great Randy Stat, uh, who Randy got, recommended? This? No, he did not recommend. Oh. He did not recommend Primal, but he did recommend to me a television show, which is available on Hulu, no. called Dicktown. Love Dicktown. Randy, I'm almost Hell done. Hell yeah. Um, having a blast with Dicktown. Um, I'm been on Hulu. They recommended that I watch Primal from 2019, <laughs> starring one Nicolas Cage as an exotic animal uh, hunter uh, who tracks down animals and sells them to zoos. Now, why I immediately saw, okay, this is a beautiful train wreck. Let's have fun with this thing. We got Nicolas Cage running around in the jungle looking for exotic cats. That's great. Congratulations. That's five minutes of this yeah, it's movie. It's not the movie. That is not the movie at all. This movie is Noah's Ark meets Under Siege. <laughs> that is what this movie is. Because Nicolas Cage brings all these uh, animals on a boat. He's got a white jaguar, uh, a very CG white jaguar. Uh, he's got several monkeys. He's got two Bushmaster uh, venomous snakes. He's got uh, parrots. Um, that talking parrot was painful oh the talking parrot gets shot in the head <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's shot in the head dude dude so I they they he gets everything on this boat of course he doesn't have permits we learned that and then also on the boat is the united states government because they're transferring a fugitive on this same boat 
the rest of the movie takes place on this boat as the fugitive escapes and then starts killing everyone. Uh, you know, that was the part of the movie that yeah. like completely lost me. That is where I tuned in, baby. Dude, no, no. <laughs> this was a hoot. No, you know, first, uh, Nicolas Cage, he does his thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the fucking acting, though, was so flat. Like, it felt like he was like phoning it in. I'm telling you, this is not, this is not, if you're looking for a Nicolas Cage movie where he's n- Nicolas Caging it. Yeah, it's not. Seek elsewhere. Yeah. No, and you know, it really reads to me like a 90s sci-fi movie where it's like, oh, we're on a spaceship and there's a thing here and it's mostly boring and a lot of people going in and out of rooms. You, as soon as I realized the rest of the movie is going to take place on this boat, I was very excited. I get it. It's just tracking down people. I, you know, I watch a lot of this kind of crap. This is fun. And I, oh my God, the CG animals too were rough. I, I let it go. I know you did. Heart. You were, you were very um, open-minded that day. And uh, I was slightly gummed up. Had a great time. <laughs> Had a great time with Primal. Dude, where was this movie in the beginning of the pandemic? The Tiger King fucking boom. I feel like it would have killed. Yeah, because he's Joe Exotic now. Exactly. Like I feel. Also, I feel like, are we done with what Joe Exotic? Oh, we've Do we really done. care now? I think that thing was so big and it's so done that if you bring it up now, you instantly like age five years. It's yes. just like oh, it's wild, dude. It wasn't even a year ago, and it's like. It's covered in dust. It is, yeah. The last film, which I will talk about here with you, my friends, is a film that just came out this past Friday. Oh, just but a mere few days ago. From director Teddy Greenan. This is a film called Ravage. When a nature photographer explains to the police how she fought her way out of a Wachatumi Valley, they dismissed her crazed and violent story as a meth-induced nightmare. Cool. I have to click another link. Was she doing meth? <laughs> but when they discover that she's telling the truth, it's too late. Thunderstrike. Oh. <laughs> when I read this synopsis, and uh, I did not watch the trailer, so I did good, good on job. that. Good um, job. I thought, oh, this seems a lot like Becky. You know, uh, we're going to have a lot of whole Rube Goldberg trap set up and um, everything. I was like, yeah, okay, this is, yes, you have a young lady as a lead. She runs into some trouble as she's doing her work as a nature photographer. She sees something that she should not have seen. And as a nature photographer, yeah, because she she's she's in the woods, she's in this valley in this wooded area, undescript area, and it have to be in the eastern United part of the states. They make fun of West Virginia, so it's not in that area. But I'm going to say maybe Kentucky ish. So, uh, she takes a picture of several dudes whipping another guy, and. They find out. She goes and reports it to the police. She goes into the small town police. And then she goes back into her car and she's being towed away. Taken. Towed. They towed her in a tow truck. Taken. Yes. Abducted. (laughs) She's being towed. Liam Neeson shows up. And they take her back to the barn and it's the same guys that were beating up this man. Oh, what a twist. And um, then they leave her to die. And she escapes. Did you say leave her to die? Was that a forced joke? They leave her. To, oh, oh 
and she escapes, and uh, then yes, it does turn into Rube Goldberg Town a bit. However, oh, weird. I really enjoyed this because we can see that this girl—it's believable. Okay, she, dude, have you ever met a, a wildlife photographer? No. <laughs> I I what wait to describe what a I, wildlife photographer. I, so I is. actually know several. What are they? What are they taking pictures of? Uh, animals in in nature. Oh, oh god, that is terrible. I'm not gonna <laughs> sleep tonight. That is horrifying. Taking pictures of that little freak. Do, do it one more time. God, it gives me goosebumps. <laughs> that should have been the movie. She takes a picture of a macaw, and then they get, so you know because all right. So nature photographers, these are tough <laughs> people, man. I'm not kidding you. Like I, I I've met one one time. I actually know several. Why? Because yeah, I, I I live a colorful life, baby. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I you live, live a in colorful this room. Life. <laughs> what are you? Talking I'm trying about? to say safe. I know. <laughs> Unlike wildlife, I'm the one out there. I'm in Lake Shasta. And you bring it back here, swimming with the fish. You're bringing all the germs back in no, here. No germs. It was fresh air. Actually, the moon was red because of the fucking. So she's fires. she's very knowledgeable about survival skills and being out there on her own. For an extended period of time, which you have to be as a nature photographer, and you also have to <laughs> have to be able to to know how to to you know take pictures, navigate land. Oh, that too. And so all these things come into play as she's killing off these rednecks one by one. <laughs> um, and a uh, Bruce Dern shows up in this for a brief time. Does a great he he's full Bruce Dern. It's great. This movie gets really gnarly. Uh, the special effects I really enjoyed. Um, I, 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 I really, really liked Ravage. Oh. Um, it's uh, okay. So if you go to the international movie database and you read some, some user reviews of this oh, film, no. I'll do it right it now. It is split in the middle. Let's just stay away from spoilers here about the ending. The ending is a point of contention. Okay. Uh, because it is. Uh, well, I don't feel like you're about to ruin it right now. It's. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I do not want to ruin this because I would like you both to see it. I really enjoyed Ravage. All right. And um, definitely check it out. How did it's, you watch it? Uh, it's available for rental. Oh, you rented it. I rented it for six dollars and. You just talked about cents. like eight Hulu movies though. Yeah. <laughs> Hulu down. Okay. Fine. Also, I watched this at seven a.m. on Monday morning. Hey, you know, an early Hell movie. Yeah. I feel like they wake you up and you're kind of in, you, you got tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. So you're only watching the movie. I love waking up late for an afternoon movie and oh, yeah. going out to the Roxy and, you know, oh, remember those? that world that once was. God. Yeah, I, I know. When theaters come back there, we're going to movie so hard, bro. <laughs> if they come back. We're going to have to. You know what? We're going to run a bootleg movie theater right out now. of here. I'm going to tell you right now. I would not be surprised if they never come back. I know. I know. <sighs> Randy, your thoughts? I don't know. I feel like the more independent places have more of a shot right now, just because there's such less like real estate they have to worry about. Well, oh. if they can survive the shutdown, depending on when the fuck we can even open. I mean, Newsom's been changing the fucking description, so stores that were open are now closing. Newsom's a bitch. Yeah, Newsolini. We love you. All right. Uh, do you got to pivot out of there? It's your turn, baby. Uh, well, all the movies I watched, I watched with you, except for except for one I remembered while you were talking. Old man. All right, my then uh, no, no, I'm gonna <laughs> throw in a curveball here because I watched uh, 
the barge people. Oh yes. Yeah. I watched it on, um, listener Sam's recommendation. He actually did a write up. It's on the overlook right now. Um, this is like the Hills have eyes, but on a barge, which is, you know, like a narrow boat. I in love, a canal. I just covered two boat movies. Bro. I know you, that's why I remembered. And, um, now I wouldn't recommend this to you because it is a straightforward slasher film. The thing, you know, what's beautiful about is it, it is a creature. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, I like creatures. Creature, it's, it's a little complicated. The thing is, it's not trying to fucking reinvent the wheel in any way. And it kind of gets back to the roots of just, here's what we're doing. Yeah. And it, it takes an interesting location. The whole movie's pretty much on a little barge. They get into it with locals. You know, they go to a couple locations. I'd watch this. It's pretty cool. And um, very indie. And you want to know how something's very indie? You, mm. you, you get a feel when you it's post. It's in Indianapolis? You post about it on your Instagram, and then like three of the actors comment. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, but it, it's kind of shocking. That's cool, though. It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're a fan, like I feel like there's a flood of slasher films where it's like, we'll have a cool villain and he'll kill a bunch of people. And that's as much thought as you get. And this one's not, you know, it's not trying to like do anything profound, but you watch and you're like solid. I'd watch another one. If they did a Kickstarter, I'd help them out. Actually, you know what? We should try and book them. I'm going to make a note of that. I totally forgot I'd watch this because. When the fuck did I watch it? You watched it on probably... God, like a week ago, maybe. Tuesday. Yeah. Because, yeah, Wednesday was Terrell's birthday. Thursday, we did the show. You watched it Tuesday. Friday, I left. And then I came back Monday. And then, yeah, now I'm here. Um, Another film I watched. uh, Again, we did trick Fantasia Fantasia into letting us watch movies. I um, pulled the trigger on a film Clark picked. I had no idea what it was. (laughs) It's called The Old Man, The Movie. Um, I saw one picture. I, I saw didn't watch it because it, it hit too close to home. What? What is? How do you know? Because <laughs> I'm an old man. You don't. Hey, okay. It's a failed joke. That's powerful. Um, okay. <laughs> Are we still talking about you or always? Okay. We're talking about me. Uh, it's my show. It, well, here here's uh, the breakdown according to IMDb. This is an intergenerational epic road movie that should wipe the dust from the ancient folk wisdom that milk is a big responsibility. I um used to be an avid milk drinker. Really? I used to <laughs> do uh, meal supplements uh, with just a giant glass of milk. It was a thing I used to do in high school. Recently, I've, I'm almost like anti-milk now. Why? Uh, just uh, because I actually did some reading on it. Are you one so of these like, people where like, we're the only creatures that drink the milk of other animals? Oh, no, no. I'm down. But no other animals eat cereal. I don't like the so high. Fuck you. I don't like the super processed milk is all. I'd rather have like a, a raw gross thing. Now, what about my lactose free milk? There's so much sugar in it. And I don't like the propaganda movement of the 90s where, you know, milk makes you strong. I feel like my parents bought into it and I did too. Yeah. And I've been living a lie. So, you know, it's really a, an issue I have with my own id. I'm, I'm having an ego crisis. But what here. are you going to have with your cookies? Not diet set. I up. mean, you got to have milk. I just, I would like to get away from that shit in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to own a goat and milk it out back on our deck. That's party. Yeah, let's do it. Um, this film is a uh, claymation. I, I don't want to talk too much about it. Uh, it's a comedy one. Um, Uh, It's about three kids who go stay with the grandfather and he has a farm and it's really about modern kids on their phones versus 
a grandfather who's forcing them to do things the hard way just because. Although he's kind of a Homer character, and the three of them are kind of like, oh, how the fuck would you describe them? They're almost like Three Stooges-esque. Okay. It's really, it's a weird dynamic. Um, I think the most interesting thing about this film is where it was made, which uh, if you can see it on here, it's somewhere fucking, oh, Estonia. Oh. Yeah. And I was, it's very um, broad comedy for that. Like, I feel like the culture, cultural ties or whatever, it's not an obstacle. And it reads very straightforward. It gets very adult. Like, there's no nudity or anything, but there's gore. And uh, it's not over. It's kind of like Wallace and Gromit if it was rated R, but not rated R for um, ticket sales, but rated R because it needed to be. Is there wieners in there? It's a little DreamWorks to to um, what they what's the other company that people like? That's local. Pixar. Pixar. Pixar thank you. <laughs> It's a little DreamWorks to Pixar there, but um, if you're a fan of like Plasticine or like Claymation, it's fucking it's good, and I, I think I you, you gotta watch it. Yeah, I'm. I think we still have the link. Maybe I just watched it too late. Yeah, I know it. Right after we talk about a thing, it's kind of like it's done. I can't do a double feature on a school night. Uh, well, if you just call in whenever the fuck you want, you which can do I did yesterday, baby. Um, and then we watched. Uh, do you want to talk about this one? Sleep or schlaf or schlaf schlaf? A uh, very German, um, well-paced horror film has a lot of things to do with dreams. I thought at first it was going to be Nightmare on Elm Street. Then I thought it was going to be Inception. And then I realized it's its own kind of unique Hitchcockian mm-hmm. film. Um, like once again. Very foreign film. I don't watch a lot of German horror. The comedy was hitting. I feel like whoever did the subtitles got it. Uh, This was just a good movie. And uh, unlike the broad comedy from the Estonian claymation movie you just mentioned, the humor in this is very subtle. It's subtle. Very subtle. It ebbs and flows for sure. Sometimes it's like, this is a laughing moment. And especially the, the end of the film. Yeah, the, the, you and the fucking end the of the movie. You just love the fucking. There's a scary- zinger <laughs> at the end of the movie, babe. I know, but you say the end of the film, and I my heart palpitates because I'm like, oh, you're about to fucking ruin it. So Marlene, a woman played by horrific dreams, suffers a breakdown in a remote village as her daughter Mona follows. She comes upon a well kept family secret and an old curse that ultimately threatens her life: a never ending nightmare. Uh, Russ, can you scroll down so that we can get the name of the actress, uh, Sandra Hewler? (laughs) There's umlauts over the U. It's Hewler. It'd be Hewler, right? Because you pronounced the... Okay. You got it. Um, Randy, she is uh, in uh, one of our great movies that uh, was given to us uh, from Germany a few years ago, Tony Erdman. Yeah, I think I told you about this one. Yes, you did. And then I was reminded as I saw her face when the movie happened. Um, also, but uh, the the uh, young lady that plays Mona Gro Kolhoff, she's great. Good job. She's great. Uh, Sandra Huler, Hugh Huler, Hugh Hugh, you nailed it. Umlauts, you got it. <laughs> Hashtag Umlauts. Just think of my barbarian character that I made in second edition D anD D. That was named sure. Mothar. He had umlauts over the. It o. was named what? Mothar. Oh, that was Blothar, the lead vocalist. Nope, of no, no, no. I am an original human. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Randy, I, this movie is very, 
it jumps around a lot, right? And it, it Russ, it takes a it takes a solid I'm gonna say forty minutes, really to the second act for you to be like, oh, well, okay. The the tone is um ever evolving. Yes. Like it's kind of like um what was that movie that came out with the Babadook that was really good but didn't get as much love? That was like really twisty turny. Do you you have any idea what I'm talking no, about? No, because your description's shit. Well, it's a new. It was a New Zealand film. Oh, it came out the same time. Oh, I don't know. Whatever, abandon that. I have that. no idea. Yeah, but it, it's like the movie is constantly progressing. There's no point where we stop and are housebound. Like, housebound. Yeah, correct. I you should give me an award. I that shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, twisty turny. You know the Kiwis. They made and I've it. never seen Housebound. Oh, oh, we should. watch That's it. how more impressive we should watch that it. pull was. End of show. It's a kiddie pool. Right now, I just dropped the mic arm because I couldn't drop the actual <laughs> mic because then that would be an editing nightmare for me. And because that's the mic that Randy bought <laughs> that he sent oh, over here sure. that was supposed Randy, to be Randy, thank you for the sure 58. <laughs> of course. Yeah, no, sleep was great. Um, It felt like it was being global, like modernly, globally winky. I, don't, I hate that I just said that. Winky whoops. But there were weird moments like... Did you did you notice what her room number was when she had the hotel? Uh one eight seven. Uh incorrect. Room three forty three. It was not two it was not two. It was it was one eight seven, but I'm like, is that for the, the American like police code? Yeah. <laughs> like right, because that's the only thing I think of, but think of Samuel Jackson. But they were savvy like that, and I felt like it was international comedy. It was weird. I don't know. It was really good. I, I don't yeah, it it it's too tricky to say if like that's what they meant with one eight seven because I thought the same thing too. But who would? I'm like, eh. Well, also the way that it's framed, it's very like it's there. central, and yeah. it's like, oh, is that supposed to mean like she's gonna be murdered right now? Yeah. Anyway, uh, it really reminded me of oh my god, um, Brendan Cronenberg's new film, not antiviral, the one that leaked and then possessor, we the one that we shouldn't talk about. Yeah, what was it, Randy? Possessor possessor yeah there's a there's a lot of that going on yeah and it, it's also, possessor, very good fucking good but also you mentioned it reminded uh you of the movie we showed at another hole in the head the black circle oh uh, yeah black circle wham lamb oh black circle <laughs> <laughs> yeah so sleep was great we we covered Schlaf. we only covered like a- also may i say possibly my favorite poster of this year oh great poster great that's poster. why i picked it Schnaff. it's the only reason why i picked it it actually reminds me of uh the uh, the most david lynch moment in dukes of burgundy is this a uh i like it's the duke of burgundy you I always <laughs> say the dukes of burgundy it drives me insane well they, they, these two lesbians are not going around in the general league <laughs> What they're not in uh, Manhattan Island trying to get off? <laughs> the they don't. Dukes of <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> they don't have a map to the avoid Duke the landmine. Yeah, I, so, I enjoyed that movie. Yeah, dude. Too many CG butterflies though. In Escape from in, New York. In the Duke of oh, Burgundy. <laughs> oh, Dukes of Burgundy. I know. It's <laughs> the be- It's the best moment. It's where the little Roxy uh, had that blip in their Blu-ray. I know we've talked about it forever. Anyway, yeah, um, Sleep was great. We've watched a ton of Fantasia films. I think we should make an effort to like bookmark the ones that we really liked. And as they start coming out or become available, like let people know. Because, God, how long is it going to be before this one hits like fucking Hulu or whatever the fuck it's going to do? Randy, I recommend Sleep. Yeah, Randy, I think you'd, you'd enjoy it. It's not yeah. great, 
it's solid though. I I I, I would. Uh, it's a four star for me, baby. Yeah, I think, I think I'm right there with you. Is now, uh, we got one more movie. One more movie, which Randy saw it too, baby. All right. Yep. Now, um, ooh, so we haven't talked about this one yet. Uh, do you, do you want to read the uh, synopsis for it? Artist Matt Fury, creator of the comic character Pepe the Frog, begins an uphill battle to take back his iconic cartoon image from those who used it for their own purposes. This is Feels Good, Man. Now, I don't know if uh, this is a humble brag. I mean, maybe that the fact that I'm worried it might be uh, definitely says it is. But I think I'm the most internet savvy out of us three. I'd give it to you. All right. And um, forums are a thing that I'm not particularly in love with. But I knew nothing about Pepe other than, uh, you know, he had become like an alt-right thing. And at one point he was not. This documentary is it's a little bit our crumb where we have a uh, San Francisco artist and he's kind of quirky and weird, except that's only like the launch pad. And we get a very like fly on the wall kind of feel for who he is. And then we instantly move into a historical Internet documentary about multiple systems in play and how they they coexist in like that weird world of uh, the net. And we didn't talk about it after. I, I loved this film. It's great. It might be one of my favorite of the year. And it, it's one, in one hand, it's alarming, but for no real reason. Like, I found that uh, the, the amount of power that could come out of a, a website like 4chan. And if you're not familiar with 4chan, it's a forum. It's very popular. Uh, the idea there is that anybody can post and you're anonymous. And... I remember when I like, fuck, God, it must've been like eight years ago or something now. No longer. When I first went on there, I didn't get it. And I was like, what? Everybody's anonymous. What's the point? Yeah. But the people who are a part of that community, they get it. And they're all social outcasts and they would do things like they, they cover it on here. They take pictures of their room and they talk about who's the most incel and why women hate me more than they hate you. And, uh, they adopted a cartoon character who came from a comic and kind of represented that lifestyle. They're like, Hey, I finished college, but what do I do now? And it's like, Oh, more of the same. Yeah. I'm not going to work and I'm going to party. And they're like, you know, that works for us. And they, like they do on the internet, they, uh, it turned it cultivated yeah. in this weird Petri dish of anonymous people. And then who was it? It was like fucking, uh, it was a uh, Katy Perry broke it. And she she posted something with Pepe, and it it sent all these dudes who uh, were living in this weird corner of the internet. They're like, "That's our character, and if the mainstream tries to take him, we're gonna kill him." And how do you do that? You you turn him into a racist, dude. I thought this was comprehensive. Oh. I thought it painted a picture that it's really hard to do on the internet. Like, how did we get from point A to point D? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, where, what yeah. the fuck happened? And they really made it. It's very easy to watch and intuitive. And you throw in, like, there's a brief cameo of Skinner, who's a Oakland artist out here, and he does a lot of D&D inspired stuff. And it, it kind of, it gave me that, like, five-star push where it's like, this feels, like, very homely to me. Like, I feel connected to it in a weird way. Like, I'd probably run into that artist. Yeah. I had no idea mm -hmm. that he made Pepe. Yeah. But on top of that, He's a weird, quirky dude, too. 
And when you see him going up against Alex Jones, yeah, it's just like, what wow. is happening? Yeah, I, I know I railroaded right there, but I no. love this movie. And it's really the only film I'd been thinking about. Without question, weekend. one of my favorite films of the year. Um, beautifully structured film, as you said. And th- I, the reason why I fell in love with this movie is because I feel like that we are following the frog in this journey. Oh man, there's so much weird shit going is on. That, is that because the movie opens up with the creation of Pepe. Of yeah. Pepe. He's drawing Pepe. And then in the doubt in the Alex Jones um uh portion of the film, um he they are questioning him, uh, why did you come up with the name Pepe? And he said, Well, it sounds like Pee Pee. <laughs> yeah. And that just shows of the, this character was just born out of pure innocence and silliness yep. and that, um, you know, this pure cartoon character and then goes through this journey. And then again, I, I don't want to spoil um, what happens to Pepe's fate um, in, in terms of the public eye. You know, I don't even think that matters though. I mean, it's public this, record. It's I mean, the journey. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. absolutely a journey of, of this cartoon frog. And, you know, and, and, and how it went to the bottoms of, you know, as of the human societies we know until he became a, a, a champion for freedom. And uh, all of, you know, Hong Kong grasped onto him and, and, you know, got him really out of the muck that he was in. Which, and, you know, honestly, in the whole narrative of this thing, that worked really well as an end point. Yeah. But, you know, the, the terrifying thing is the Internet. You put an idea out there, and if enough people grab onto it, it's never over. Yeah. It'll evolve forever. I teared up in this thing. Yeah, dude. Do you tear up? It makes me emotional just thinking about it. Partially just because the human race were were incredibly complicated. I do want to get his boys club comment. I didn't even know it was a thing. I didn't either. Randy, do you have any takeaways on this one? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you guys said. I thought it was very, very informative. Uh, growing up, I knew of 4chan, but I never uh, went to it. I kind of <laughs> had the uh, idea already that it was like a bad place for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, I barely know anything about Pepe other than what you said, basically that... Uh, what? Randy, you, know, you just it, like, cut out oh, hardcore there right there. Yeah, you guys cut out a couple times too. Oh, geez. It's, it, um, the way we're not, recording, this should be chill. Yeah, not a lot, but... um. No, I, I super enjoyed it. Um, I watched this on the website's uh, like official like opening weekend, and uh, I had some trouble watching it Friday, and so I actually got a uh, screening link for the Saturday one. They were doing like live screenings, and they had a, a Q and A uh, each night with a different moderator. <laughs> yeah, they had a different Q and A every night with a different moderator. And I'm kind of glad the Friday one didn't work out because I had to miss the Q&A. Uh, but Saturday, the Q&A was moderated by Duncan Trussell. Wow. Um, yeah, and I, I'm i not super familiar with Duncan Trussell besides his podcast and the Midnight Gospel, but... Sounds um, like you're pretty familiar. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. I just, I just like uh, his ideas and he's just super trippy and really into like you know, empathy and like yeah, man. Buddhist stuff. No. And the Q&A got very emotional oh. and it was really good. And it was like Bad over work. an hour long. Now, okay. You know, here's my thing. This film, there's a political element to it. 
I think that now releasing it, it's got a really like, I think they're, they're, it's a good time for it to come out. I think people are going to look at this as like political history. I don't in any way. I, I normally, um, get very distracted whenever it starts turning into a, okay, what, what's the filmmakers politics? What are they trying to say? Are they turning this into propaganda? I didn't get that at all from here. Nope. Even though I felt like I could imagine an intro where they totally lay it out as that. Yeah. This movie to me spoke to a much more uh, poignant and um, terrifying idea, which is, you know, the yep. collective consciousness of the internet. But on top of that, the underlying theme, I think they share with cam where cam, um, I'm going to ruin this movie. If you haven't watched it by now, do not spoil cam. I, I, it's important cam. Okay. I'm not going to actually say what it's about, but the idea, the theme, the message of cam is it's fine to participate in the internet. It'd be weird not to now, but don't fucking put your real, don't put anything you really care about out there. Like, don't be too honest with the internet. And this is the problem with Pepe. If that was any other throwaway character he would have made that just kind of snowballed into a monster, he wouldn't have given a fuck. But it's the frog that he had been drawing forever. It's one that he really, like, loved. Yeah. And that's yeah. the Frankenstein monster there. And I think it's, dude, I don't know. I I loved it. I, so what would what are you going to give it, Randy? Out of stars, how many? Uh, it's pretty close to a four, like high three and a, a high you three and a half. Wild, <laughs> you are an animal. What is wrong with you? Who me? Let's give that a four star, give Randy. Four. Get out of here. <laughs> this is five stars. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to retract your fucking three and a half. Oh no, I'm sticking with it, baby. Oh god damn it! I no, was I, it might not uh, reflect my, the rating might not reflect my uh, enjoyment of the movie. I, I really, really dug it. Um, okay, so yeah. where, where is it losing a star and a half? You, you think you didn't like uh, some of the interstitials or? Uh, I think I, if you weren't myself or you who didn't know anything, it might not be as entertaining or good. I don't know. So like, I guess that also speaks to like maybe rewatchability. Like, I don't know if oh, dude. I would get much out of it right on now. a second view. I can't wait to buy it. I watch this right now. Yeah. I, um, the animation is beautiful, and it adds, a, it adds a, a, a great caveat to this film. Yeah, they tie some things together with the original animation. It's great. And yeah. I don't think it overstays its welcome either. No. Which is normally... But it's heavy. Yeah. I mean, they, they do not shy away on the animation, and I welcomed it every time. The this production is, is great. great. Also, they pull... They had, like... 4chan moderators they had um influential users i thought they did a great job of trying to encapsulate the an internet movement yeah yeah i man it's really good i uh yeah maybe we should reach who directed this this thing do we even know anything about it i was so taken by the film that i walked away feeling like i had uh been altered a little bit arthur jones okay yeah what's he done Let's let's do a little bit of. I think this is it. Right That's pretty much it. Owned a tale of two American Americas. Two Americas. Two. So America. maybe maybe he was trying to put a political angle in there. Anyway, it didn't it didn't distract me in the least. Good also, job, Artie. Also, um, the Alex Jones bit in here. 
If you if you haven't looked up the poster it's, that Alex Jones was selling, it is <laughs> the worst thing I've ever seen. It's fucking bonkers. And I I can't I can name I right. can name one person. So we've got Donald Trump. So that you got two names. We then. got Roger Twice. Stone. Okay, you got one more than I did. Um, I don't know who that is. I that may is be this Billy Idol or is this um is this Ann Coulter? And that's a lost boy. That's Ann Coulter. That's Ann Coulter. That's Alex Jones. Is that Richard Gere? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who who those are. That's and Pepe the Frog with I guess a methed out Zac Efron on top. Dude, good job. <laughs> I think you nailed all of them. <laughs> and Amy Poehler's down here. Yeah, and Amy Poehler. She's just there. It's all a right. wild poster. All right, it's terrible. But uh feels good, man. That Great. poster is fucking funny. Great movie. Man, I, I got to get an Alex Jones poster that just says gay frogs or something. Gay baseball <laughs> frogs like Jasadi. <laughs> all right. All right, are we done? We did it. All right. So... Oh God, we ran long too. I apologize. I don't even want to know how long we were. <laughs> I just don't even care anymore. <laughs> uh, but uh, stay tuned as this uh, marathon episode is not done. As we've got a special treat, we've got two interviews. <laughs> That's right, two. Bayou and Quinn. Who is your favorite? You got to pick one. I have no favorites. No, you have to pick. It's like your two children. It the day came. And okay, now you got to pick your favorite. Uh, Vayu because he was in Madden. Sophie's choice. All right, that's a terrible pick. I hated Vayu. I think he was one of the. <laughs> <laughs> Vayu's great. I don't like either of them. They're both uh, like talented dudes. Fuck them both. Randy uh, Vayu is from Sebastopol, California. Yeah, I listened to it actually. Do you ever you ever been to Sebastopol? Oh, you listened to the interview? <laughs> yeah. I've played uh, a festival in Sebastopol. Really? I got yeah. lost in Sebastopol. Uh, I meant to do a U-turn in Santa Rosa and ended up in Sebastopol. Oh, the Bugs Bunny <laughs> just showed up? What I know, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, director Quinn Armstrong and uh, lead actor Vayu O'Donnell joined us uh, this week as they are both in the motion picture Survival Skills, which we covered um, a few weeks ago on this very show. And uh, we wanted to get uh, both, uh, we, we decided to split them off in two separate interviews. We wanted to get uh, two perspectives on the same film, and uh, I think we did a good job of that because we're excellent interviewers. I don't know. I thought it was Treacherous Waters, trying not to ask the same questions again. It was the same content, and we were only a day apart. I don't know. Yeah, we fucked it up. We're terrible. <laughs> we're gonna the movie's fucking good, though. It's and, great. Uh, Survival yeah. Skills is, is one of our... Um, uh, favorite films that we've seen uh, through Fantasia and, frankly, through the year. Yeah, that you won't be able to watch for probably another year. Maybe. No, <laughs> I know. We'll, we'll, try in Canada. A, we'll try and stay on top of it. All right, so stay tuned for that, and uh, we'll see you next week, babies. You know, Vayu, we, we all have to wear multiple <laughs> hats during these times. You know what I mean? We, we just got to go with what we got. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. <sighs> We're, we're heated in here. That's right. There's, there's uh, burnt trees coming in through the windows. We got rolling blackouts. Where and, are you guys? Uh, we're in, we're in hell. <laughs> we're, 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 in the, we're in the Bay Area up in San Francisco. Okay. That's where I'm from. Oh, really? Oh, shit. Where are you from? Yeah, I was, I was born in San Fran, and then I lived in, uh, in the city for about two years. And then um, we, uh, my mom and I moved up to Sebastopol, and I was there until about 11. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. So right up in, uh, you know, Redwood country. Sure. So where did you yeah. relocate to? Um, you mean after Sebastopol? Yeah. Uh, went down to San Diego for about seven years and then went to the East coast, uh, for undergrad and then stayed in New York afterwards. And I've uh, been out in LA for the last five years or so. Oh shit. Well, welcome back to California. Yeah. Thanks. A, a little bit has changed. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. Yeah, I. You guys don't have any fires currently, right? Well, I think you do. Not in LA. Okay. Right now, no. I mean, it's it's really dry. I wouldn't be surprised if some something tindered up soon, but um, luckily we don't at this point. Yeah, it's it's a mess up here, man. We had all those uh, lightning strikes, and uh, yeah, we got. I mean, I, but it, it's you know, I I remember growing up. There were always brush fires. There were always oh, yeah. fires on the sides of the freeways. It just it was like part of life in Northern California. It's fire season. Know? Yeah, but it doesn't make it any, it doesn't, doesn't mean it's easier. And also, you know, the, uh, the more that we people inhabit areas that usually burn off, there's going to be more catastrophes, I guess. Yeah. And you, you know, you just combine a pandemic where, you know, everybody should stay inside and then they say go outside, but then we have, you know, people are terrified to leave their house then we get rolling blackouts because there's not enough wind and then you know fires start and it's like well at least there's no wind and then there's a thunderstorm and now there's yeah yeah Yeah. and if you listen to our last episode too we got evacuated due to a gas leak that was literally right dude so yeah so yeah we live in hell (laughs) just a a big old shit show right now (laughs) yeah but if you're looking to move back to san francisco there's a giant exodus out of here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, apparently New York as well. I mean, LA, honestly, too, almost every, uh, every weekend you see big moving trucks. Oh yeah. Well, you know, Rogan started the trend and everybody's just following him. Well, I think also, you know, I lived in New York for almost 20 years and I went to graduate school there and brought myself up through the theater community there. And it's such a, um, a tenuous situation for actors that are especially doing theater and just you know unless they're independently wealthy they are scraping to get by because of ridiculous rents and the cost of living and most of them are, are getting by by uh, working in the service industry and when you close that whole industry down then you have a mass exodus because what are people supposed to do you know yeah please tell me <laughs> yeah we don't know <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> oh man but uh, anyways, yeah. how are you? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I'll tell you what, Vayu, we, we are very excited to talk to you. Um, so we, we got um, credentials uh, for Fantasia. We tricked them. And uh, honestly, so we, we were just going in blind, you know, and I, I think that that's the beauty of a film festival is that. And I think that Fantasia, to their credit, is doing a great job. Great job, as I learned how job to speak too. today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, at trying their best to at least simulate the festival experience as, as everything is online. And, and um, we actually participated in, a, in another film festival earlier this year, Chattanooga Film Festival, that did a great job uh, with their online uh, festival as well. So I think that we're heading certainly into a direction, at least during this time and maybe in the future, to where th- that's going to be more and more prevalent, where we're going to have more and more online screening. So you, um, as an actor that it's, has this great project and you're out promoting, how how has that sort of uh, press tour been for you as everything's remotely? You know, it's it's very different. To be honest, with this film, we went to CineQuest, which is where we premiered. And 
smack dab in the middle of our uh, premiere, well, the first week, we were there for three days, they decided to, they had to shut down the rest of the festival, which was the second week. So we lost a couple of viewings and, you know, everybody's walking around kind of like, well, is this a joke? Is this, this is, you know, this is an overreach or it's, you know, and then South by Southwest cancels and, um, you know, Film Fest, SIF, you know, Seattle International Film Fest, they cancel and then, you know, festivals are just kind of dropping like flies. So, uh, as far as what the experience is, it's, it's very different than going and meeting other filmmakers and, you know, talking to possible distributors and whatnot and other creatives. Um, there's not much of that happening. At least I, I haven't been aware of it. I'm, I'm kind of just, you know, in my apartment with my family and, uh, you know, every once in a while I get to talk to some nice folks like you guys and I see some reviews online and that's pretty much been my experience of it. Um, I have seen that we've gotten uh, a ton of press and a ton of coverage, which has been uh, a, a really pleasant and unexpected um, a delight. And I think for that reason, Fantasia is actually doing a, a great job. It's, it's, this film is getting a ton of exposure that I didn't expect it to get. Yeah, I mean, even in our small community of, of people who is also participating in the film festival, they immediately bring up survival skills to us. Is uh, so, Vayu, we um, we actually run a found footage film festival um, here oh, in cool. San Francisco, and we actually. Uh, Russ, what was it? A week and a half before the lockdown, we we had our festival. Our festival ended on March first, yeah. And I think that oh, nice. yeah, that lockdown hit like the thirteenth or fourteenth. I, I am sure, although yeah. none of them will admit it, we had a few guests cancel due to early um, worry of a pandemic. Ah, That's, sure. We were right there at the tail end. Yeah, and, yeah and you got in right right before the buzzer. Yeah. So it's but I bring up that is because we love. Uh, obviously, you know, found footage and mixed media. And so when we heard about survival skills, we knew that this was exactly up our alley where, you know, with the training video. So uh, mm-hmm. this is a, a very unique uh, film. And uh, I, I, I just saw that um, this was part of This was a short film. So was the short film really an idea? Uh, because a lot of times, you know, filmmakers, they make a short in, in hopes to make the, the project uh, a feature one day. So was that the the angle that uh, Quinn was going for when he made the short of uh, survival skills? I believe so. He had the full script, uh, you know, back when we did the short. Um, and the short was, for all intents and purposes, I believe, a proof of concept. Because um, even when I spoke to him about the short, when we were, we were doing the short, there was kind of uh, an implied idea that should things go well, I would be considered for the feature as well, because that was already kind of in the works, you know. Yeah. So when you, how how similar, because I, I unfortunately have not seen the short, um, is it very similar in tone or is, is, just, is the feature really just a, an expansion of the short? So you went into this feature fully knowing your character, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got to tell you, it was a, um, the whole experience was a, a bit kind of like, is this really happening? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I answered an ad in like a, a very small casting um, that I, you know, I, I thought something looked interesting and I just submitted a headshot and a resume and went in for an audition and it was for this short and um, the, the material kind of spoke to me and I went in and just made the, 
a big random choice. And then I got along with the, uh, the director Quinn and, you know, we, we did this thing, this short and Stacy Keach was attached and that was going to be exciting. And then everybody else kind of, um, uh, they, they recast everyone else except for Stacy and myself. And then there was a, you know, there was a lot of kind of back and forth about when it was going to be done, if it was going to be done. Um, and, uh, I, I smartly had them, uh, sign kind of like a, um, uh, uh, what is it for a right of first refusal so that I could do the feature as long as they didn't, you know, get too much funding so that Jake Gyllenhaal did my part. And stuff. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, although, and I'm sure he would have been great. He's a, he's a very good actor. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I was kind of surprised and it was always, it was always kind of a love project. You know, Quinn and I had a, um, uh, a really good relationship. We, t- we constantly talked about the character and what the character was and how the character was supposed to evolve. And, um, the idea of a character with no past. And I think, uh, organically this idea of this, um, kind of crafted character with no past almost as if it were a video game or a simulation came out of the discussions that Quinn and I had about how to approach the character you know and um and also I think served the film extremely well because uh it becomes a situational comedy and tragedy at the same time right sure. um because it, you're not kind of basing everything off of past experience and life experience it's kind of like putting a um uh it's almost like a petri dish exercise of what happens if you were to put someone pure into this system and and what is spit out right yeah so um so i had the luxury of being being able to kind of feel and get in this character for almost two years before we shot the film uh with constant conversation with quinn about you know how to approach it However, I will say that the short is much less low tech, uh, uh, or it's much more low tech, I should say. And, um, it's more just kind of like a scene, a scene, a scene to get the feeling of it. Um, Kira Burton, who is the editor on this just did such a phenomenal job as well as Quinn really going in and literally manipulating VCRs to get that great, uh, dissonance. Uh, and the tracking and literally went in and, and with magnets and manipulated the the footage, destroyed 40 D- VCRs in the making of this film. Oh, really? Um, Wait, how? Oh, yeah. It was because if you go in with a magnet, you can kind of like you, you can, as if you're playing a musical instrument, warp the footage and see it immediately kind of how it's affecting the footage. So Quinn basically tore the tops off of like, you know, all these VCRs. And also when you're doing that, when you're adding the magnets to the heads of the VCR, you destroy the VCRs really quickly. (laughs) So he got like 40 VCRs, ripped the heads off of them or the, the tops off of them and manually manipulated the footage. And that's why with that kind of care, that's why you get almost this orchestrated um, uh, tension that comes from that static and, and that tracking, um, that goes off. And and that's how he was able to do it. I mean, he, he, it was really, uh, handcrafted and beautifully done, I think. And then Kira with her editing just took the whole film and just made it even, uh, more artistic. I mean, it's a real treat to watch for me 
who never expected it to become what it what it has. Now, okay, Survival Skills is a lost training video from 1980. And so we're dealing with an in-world camera narrative. Yeah, for police, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's I love hearing the the amount of care put into the distortion and the thoughtfulness behind how it impacts the narrative. So mm-hmm. often do we talk to people who, you know, they make a found footage film, not because they wanted to, but because they didn't have any money. And a lot of the time they, they don't really have the tools to make a film, but you know, mm-hmm. you, you can use your phone and make a first person narrative and run around your house and say it's haunted. It's welcoming to that. Yeah. In, in fact, you can make eight movies sure. of those and call them all bad Ben. And, um, <laughs> it, and they can even work that a lot of people don't understand the distortion and what it's doing for an audience. I think they just think it's a trope or they're trying to hide editing. Yet in your film, another problem with the, with the video thing, if it's not mm-hmm. real video, everybody fucking knows the minute that static pops up. Yeah. And with yeah. your film, it felt so organic. Like the mm-hmm. whole time I watched it, even, even the way that it came in, it didn't feel forced. Although it was always clever. And the idea of, of Quinn ripping a VCR lid off, although it is kind of horrifying to me as I own two. <laughs> it, dude, it makes me want to do it. So you just take a yeah. magnet and you put it by the strip and it will, it'll alter the image like that. Uh, so he would be the person that that has to yeah. really uh, tell you exactly the, the mechanics of it. But that's my understanding of, of what he did. Yeah. Um, basically feeding the, feeding the footage through that and then manually distorting it. And to me, it's like, I'm not gonna lie. When I was in high school, I did musical theater and I used to think musicals were the best thing ever. And I still like a good musical. Don't get me wrong. But in the old time Rodgers and Hammerstein and stuff like that, the the score and the music came out of um, a necessity. And it, it wasn't just like, okay, here's a good place for a song. It was like the action builds to a certain point. And then because of that, there's the only way to contain this feeling is to let it out in song. And there's an orchestration to that. And I think what Quinn did was in a way very musical with this film in the sense that the distortion is like a musical scoring, you know, we have a great score, but added to that, you've got this visual distortion, which is scored like you would, uh, like a composer would to a musical or something like that. No, beautifully put now with the in-world camera narrative. Normally that just means, you know, the, the camera is a part of the film. We learn a lot. It's got its own voice. We talk about this all the time on the show. Yet with, mm-hmm. with our situation in this film, it's, it's different. Because you're playing a character who isn't a real person. It's an actor making a training video. Yet the way that it's played in the film is you're, like you said, you're, you're a person with no history. Yet you mm-hmm. find an organic life in this non-narrative footage. How the hell do you even approach that? Well, I think trying to wrap my head around it was the uh, the largest hurdle to kind of get over when approaching the film. Um, I always saw this as a, a narrative that had an arc which was innocence to experience right yeah starting starting at a place of complete innocence innocence and earnest uh earnesty and and then letting that just degrade over time through experience and letting him be jaded and cracked open uh 
until, you know, by the end, without trying to give away too many spoilers, he literally needs to uh, disrobe the uniform for this thing that he stood for so that he can, um, you know, act, act according to his own free will. And the, so the idea of, of trying to wrap my head around that was literally thinking more of him as becoming, as being created for this piece. So I think the dis like the, that crazy little scene with the father, um, it's almost as if they don't know each other. Right. Yeah. Uh, as if they are also actors in a piece, um, you know, and the, the way that they've kind of presented it as if it's a sitcom, uh, was kind of ingenious because it, there is a, uh, there is a sense of, um, it's false. There's a, there's, there's a sense of, there's a laugh track if, if I'm correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a laugh track to that, um, which was jarring to me. I was like, Whoa, what is <laughs> when the first time I saw this film, film, there was a lot of things that were jarring to me. <laughs> Just like, wait, I didn't see this in the script. Um, but all, all the made it all the more exciting for me as well. But to just to answer your question, I, I really just came from it as a as coming from 100% purity and earnest quality and honestness and take everything as, as face value and then allowing him just to be uh, just degraded over time. And the challenging thing to do that was because everything was shot out of sequence was just kind of giving myself oh, wow. like a one to 10 scale of where is the artifice at this scene and where is the artifice at the next scene? You know, that sounds hard. Like, I don't, I don't know why <laughs> yeah. in my head, I, I thought the, the natural progression, because you're, you're, you're a character trapped in a utility art. It's not really made mm-hmm. for art and there's no narrative. So the only thing that made sense to me is it's almost like you're being born on screen yeah. and your characters, okay. yeah, you're going through a journey. And as you learn, you're kind of rebelling against your parameters. And yeah. the idea of doing that not in chronological order, which I realize is pretty standard, seems in fucking impossible to me. Yeah. There's so the much nuance. Challenge. Yeah, that was the biggest challenge. And I, I think if there was anything that Quinn and I spent the most amount of detail, at least he and I, in our conversation, was gauging what level of artifice Jim was at at, at every point along the, the, the journey. Yeah, so and, that you would be able to see, like we had, we were sp- speaking about ebbs and flows, and um, and then just a degrade, uh, degraded deg- degradation over time. Yeah, it it's really a fucking. It's I sat around and I thought a lot about what I was consuming. Now, again, we we run a found footage film fest, so we think a lot about the technical end and how that plays mm-hmm. into the narrative, and. We've watched like um uh what the hell is the uh, Halloween one? I how do I always forget the name? We showed it WNUF WNUF, which is supposed hmm. to be a, a recorded um news broadcast where they were doing like a fun little Ed and Lorraine kind of uh Warren seance in a haunted house live, and hmm. the idea is that somebody had recorded this and it had since been banned from TV, but now we're rewatching it. And, you know, it's supposed to be like cable. So they did like phony commercials and stuff. And it's very fun. But you pointed out something. The like the laugh track and that insincere family moment is so Mm -hmm. it it almost makes this film bleak because you're Mm -hmm. a character who's coming to life in a film that is 
by design sterile. Yeah. And these survival videos, are, all these training videos are just, they're horrendous. So mm-hmm. Stacy Keach um, intro or being a host, he really like brings a life to it. Oh yeah. And then it, even he's like, it's kind of against the narrative that we're following, which is you. Yeah. And this mm-hmm. film just doesn't work if your if your performance wasn't perfect. And it, <laughs> and I. So let, let me interject here. So uh, and again, I'm I'm going to do my best to stick to my lane with the territory that I want to go into. Okay. Because I'm not. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about um, acting techniques. No, me either. Um, to be clear. <laughs> however, so uh, Vayu, are you familiar? Uh, are you are you a Strasbourg guy? Do you know anything about the animal exercise? Uh, yeah, I, I know about it. I've I've never, I've I've read some Strasberg. I've probably done some method acting in my life, but I've I've never been like a devoted student of Strasberg. Yeah, I've done more Stanislavski and gotcha. Meisner, that kind of thing. Um, I I only bring up Strasberg because I while, while watching your performance, I I thought of. We had talked to uh, filmmakers um, last year. Uh, they, their film actually premiered at uh, Fantasia last year. Uh, Chris Bravoda and Lee, uh, Lee Paul Springer, they, uh, their film Dead Dicks, um, they were telling about That's their actor. great title. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, their actor, uh, Heston, um, he, he, he studied uh, Strasbourg, and he followed the animal exercise, and, he, and they were talking about how his character, um, he was inspired by the spider. Um, and while watching you in this film, I thought that your animal would certainly be a Labrador. <laughs> That's great. Is yeah, that, you I know, totally see that. yeah, you're, you're very, you're, you're very warm. Um, you're always there a little overly energetic and, uh, oh, yeah. it, if you're not prepared, you're like, okay, this is a little too much. It's time to go away. But you're, you're very dedicated to that current task at that moment. And you are fully what? invested. To, to be honest, I had a lot of uh, fears that I was way overacting, and just really, uh, Quinn had to come come to me a bunch of times and just say, "Hey, listen, I know that it's it feels really big, but trust me, it's working." And yep. you know, and often what we would do would we would do three takes. Um, we actually did very few takes. Uh, in in general, but we would do kind of like a bigger take, a smaller take, and then something in the middle, so that he had a bunch of colors to paint with as far as size and artifice. Artifice. Uh, so that's one of the ways that we kind of tackled that as well. But yeah, sometimes it feels just like you know huge clownish overacting. <laughs> is, is that fun for you? <laughs> fun and unnerving at the same time. Yeah. I, I think, you know, coming from the theater, the, the, the biggest fear is like, oh, I've, I'm overdoing it or I'm being too big, right? And when you're doing film, is just think it. Um, right. But, uh, but you know, I, I trusted that Quinn knew what he wanted and what he was doing, and, uh, and I think he just did a great job. Well, I, I think if you came in there and you were just murdering it with like a Shakespearean approach, it wouldn't work for the film. Because I don't know yeah. if I've ever seen a fucking training video where somebody did a good job of acting. Actually, this is true. In in our <laughs> intros, I think a couple of weeks ago, we even played some training videos and we're just riffing on them. Great because, yeah, I, very hack material on our end. Yeah, but dude, your large perf- <laughs> I mean, when we come into survival skills, uh, no offense, but we start laughing at you. 
And I think Absolutely. The, that's the whole crux of the movie is we almost mm-hmm. feel ashamed for our behavior. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what I also really wanted to uh, keep with Jim was, uh, was a sense of like um, a childlike innocence. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of his connection to this little toy car. And, and one of my favorite scenes is when he gets in that squad car for the first time waiting for his partner to come and he's just like a kid in a candy shop just playing you know he's got his little idyllic car and he's playing around and turns the lights on and you know he all of a sudden scurries to try to turn him off because he feels like he's gonna get in trouble and um and and then the scene with the little boy as well when they're racing there's just something really innocent pure about uh jim and uh, that i really tried to hold on to that as long as i could in the in the piece so that that's where he's coming from you see kind of purity that gets tainted and and tainted really because he goes for justice and and he finds that there is no justice god there really isn't (laughs) (laughs) so it's 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 yeah it's uh it's a challenging film to kind of put into a um in a category because is it comic? Yeah. Is it dramatic? Yeah. Is it bleak? Yeah. <laughs> is there some horror? Maybe, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a kind of a standalone for me. But, the, but, you know, by you any, any time, yeah, look, I, I am a self-professed uh, amateur cook. You understand? Okay. <laughs> and today I made a very nice one skillet breakfast. And the thing is, nice. is that by it's you got to hit all the notes. You can't just hit one note. And that's certainly what survival skills is. Like you just said, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You're building the base, and then you have a, a nice, well balanced palate, which is incredible yeah. because those training videos are one note. Sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 Dude, I. Yeah, they're. Pre- they're pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're they're bad. You know, now I think people are rediscovering them because uh, I'm going to talk about this maybe in the, I don't know when we're going to use this interview, but the idea of the celebrity has really changed in modern time. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we're looking back now to training videos because it's really like, it's really a visual art that was never meant for public consumption. And mm-hmm. I mean, especially now with all the like the heated police shit going on i mean it's a very hot topic right now we're showing a very nuanced approach at a life in uh the uniform and i i think no matter what side you're on it would be hard to come at this film for that 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 was one of the yeah yeah i i think that the film is also getting some interesting criticism um which for all intents and purposes is completely valid uh about the film hitting the mark of the of this moment or, or or missing the mark of this moment it goes both ways some people are saying it it actually is threading the needle quite nicely and some people are saying it's a little tone deaf to the moment and you know as far as what some people fail to remember is that like this film was really you know the script was written in 2016 17 it was filmed in 2017 and 18 and then the the world exploded this year and literally every the whole playing field changed and so how is this film um seen against this backdrop you know and i think there are some things that are that are still very very true and then there's some things that are really tragic about it and there are some things that maybe you know don't necessarily hit right with the moment of where we are and 
and that's just that's just due to the time that we're in. Well, Vine, and, they found the film in 1980. How could it ever speak to now? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry <laughs> what we added on to it. Now, were you at home like, fuck, I'm in a feature film and I play a cop? Like when all this <laughs> defund the police shit came out? Well, I mean, listen, I... It, when I heard that some of some festivals were just uh, turning turning a blind eye away from anything God, that approached police, that. I was a little bummed yeah. just because uh, you know we'd worked really hard on it, and I just hoped that it would just get gain some sort of audience, and that it you know that it would have whatever life that it's going to have. Um, but I, I didn't. I'm not holding any grudges, obviously. Good, you know. You know. Also, when early we started this interview, talking about the online film fests and just how how they're going to live in this new climate. And I think really what the important thing is that they're film curations. And I mean, we have like cable is dead, but now there's the new cable which is Hulu, mm -hmm. Amazon Prime, Netflix, HBO Express. Like, it's fucking cable again. Yet Film mm -hmm. Fest still have their own spot where you get people who love film and they craft a lineup. It Now, we do a, a very indie Film Fest that I love with all my heart. The idea mm -hmm. of watching a submission and being like, no, and just axing it because it's edgy or maybe controversial in the time, it seems like you're you're kind of robbing your audience of something. It it bothers me so much that people would maybe even consider turning away this film because of the current climate. So they're lost. Am I, I, I know it's fucking yeah. crazy. I don't know. Yeah, people, my, I, I, I don't know all the details. I'm not on those commissions or the, you know, I'm not any of the adjudicators or anything like that. But from what I what little parts that I gleaned, there were a couple big festivals that just didn't want to, deal with police right now so. okay well i'm gonna quote you on that so <laughs> great now now clerk we got it let's uh shift into fun territory and okay. uh clark clark's very excited to talk I to you Vio would be very remiss if i did not bring up so the entire time while watching you i i knew that there was a sense of familiarity with your face <laughs> and your voice uh -oh. i couldn't uh -oh. pin it <laughs> but I knew it was there. It was just it just lingered the whole way through. And then I I went to the international movie database, pulled up your profile, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Is that you were the GM in Madden for the New York Giants? <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> I got to tell you, I got to tell you that the the best, well, one of the best things to come out of that experience was. Uh, you know, a year after I had done it or something like that, I get a, uh, I get a, a caller ID and it's my 11 year old nephew from New York. I'm in LA. And, uh, he, uh, he calls me up. He's like, uncle Bayou. Yeah. Jack, is everything okay? I said, do you sometimes do voices for video games? It's <laughs> 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 like, well, uh, yeah, in fact I do. He's like, are you in Madden 2020? Because none of my friends believe me that it's you. And I was like, okay, okay, that's me. I'll let me send you some behind the you know scenes footage so that you can show them that it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he was a big thing around campus just for a couple of days based on that. How so that cool was is that? Idea. That's awesome. <laughs> Are you kidding me? An 11-year-old Madden? Now, that's huge. And now you guys. <laughs> Indeed. I had no idea. I don't play Madden. 
No, but, <laughs> but you do play Red Dead Redemption I, too. I did play the shit out of Red Dead Redemption <laughs> too, though. Yeah, that was funny. I, I, the first time I saw that footage, I was like, wow, I, it totally is me. And yet it's kind of like a, a zombie. Ver- <laughs> yeah. Now, do like you dead eyed kind of strangely moving? Do you play video games at all? I used to be an avid video game player, um, but not not really in, in a couple of years. It, it's such a huge market. I heard somebody yeah, break, know. you know, right now with the quarantine, I don't know how you feel about it. But all the I, I listen to a ton of podcasts and radio and everybody, it seems, beating the same drum where they're kind of like theaters should just go away. Like we're in a pandemic. Who cares? We have Netflix. We don't need theaters. And it drives me fucking crazy. And somebody was bringing up um, financial reports. I know how fun that sounds. And comparing the film industry domestically and globally to video games mm. domestically and globally. And we're not even in the same ballpark. I bet. Right. So it's, I'm not surprised that people are pulling you out of Madden. Like it's such a big market, Huge. billions of dollars a year. So, yeah. I, I mean, I hope we don't lose you and to it, like a new SpongeBob game or something. <laughs> I, I want to see you on film. Well, no, no, no. The, the, the actor upside on video games is not very big. It's kind of <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's Yeah. It's don't worry. There, there's not gonna, it, it helps you through a, a tough time for, for a month. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So you don't get like residual checks for having your likeness used or. Nope. Oh. Anytime the, the giant score touchdown, you, yeah. get, <laughs> you don't get to wet your beak on that. It's true. That would be pretty great. That would be pretty great. <laughs> All right. Well, if I, I believe uh, we're talking to Quinn tomorrow, right, Russ? Uh, yeah. We're going to have a full uh, survival skills uh, episode here in a couple weeks. And again, you're going to tell on me for all the things that I said. <laughs> it did. It, <laughs> yep, we set you up. We have it recorded. <laughs> we're going to play it. But uh, nice. no, man, we were just absolutely smitten uh, with this film. And again, it, 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 you know, uh, to uh, Fantasia's credit, they're doing a great job and um, really, you know, that's the beauty of a film fest is just get in there, watch the movie, don't have any idea. You know, certainly, you know, you, you may have an idea about a movie. You go into a film festival, obviously, you know, this has gone through. Like some, a genre fest. Sure. And yeah. Yeah. In the criteria. It, but, you know, I think that that's the real beauty of a film festival is to go in with no knowledge whatsoever and then just be delighted. And and that's exactly what uh, here I got a good way to sum it up. How how many films are playing at Fantasia this year? Like a million? Uh, it's a lot. I, I oh. now all our friends, like most of the people that listen to the show, they're in the industry or they're doing indie projects, and you know they're kind of hypercritical. And normally we talk about a lot of like little like YouTube films or like oddities that nobody else is talking about. The only text I received. From any movie playing a Fantasia were all survival skills. I got, really? I got a bunch of them. Yeah. And people are like, dude, have you checked this out? Somebody asked Because like, they know it's your thing? I think, but also because they were really championing it. And, oh, um, that's great. Yeah. Uh, one of our buddies, who do, he's um, a screenplay writer. I'm, now, I'm sorry if I'm uh, paraphrasing. He said it's his favorite film of the year. Oh, wow. Dude, it. That's so lovely. Yeah. And I, I think it's a. You know, we, we watch a lot of these films, and normally when we're when we're playing with this medium of like, oh, it's an '80s film lost. It's usually kind of uh, cute, 
or quaint mm-hmm. or, or it overstays its welcome. Dude, mm-hmm. I could I could have done a two hour because there's a, there, is, there is a underlying sense of nostalgia. And that's really sure. all they're going for. That's right. my problem with um, Stranger Things. Season sure. two, it's mm-hmm. just nostalgia town. But yeah, this, yeah. yeah. No, we stay in the 80s, but it's ever evolving on the technical end and in narratively. Dude, it's an amazing cool. film. I, I hope you're proud of being a part of it because I really don't know what it would have been without you. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. And thank you guys for, for your genuine love of the film and for promoting it. I really appreciate it. I, I also have to say that, you know, without my performance was only, uh, it was only, I guess, available to me based off of what everybody else was doing too, because if I didn't have Erica Kreutz who played, you know, Allison giving me her like deadpan jaded cop, yeah. then none of my stuff would bounce off of her. You know, if I didn't, if I didn't have Brad Farwell and Emily Chisholm, like in their, that they're, uh, severity of their domestic violence dispute, like it, you wouldn't get to see this complete oddball fish out of water in in opposition to the other actors, and you know, and and I haven't heard a lot of people talking about Tyra Collar yet. She's so good, and she played Jim's wife, you know, or girlfriend, yeah, and um, and she actually has this crazy little arc in it too, you know, of this false person put in this false narrative who then finds her independence you know so i just think that i appreciate the the praise but i I also have to give due credit to everybody else that um that we worked with because they were all such a great team of actors and all on the same page and it was a real labor of love and and stacy was just i mean his booming voice and gravitas just kind of grounds the whole thing and makes it even makes it believable you know yeah so anyways did, did you get to meet stacy did you hang out with him yeah, at all you know we actually have one scene together when he's sitting in the back seat of the car yeah and i'm driving kind of at the end how how was that how how was stacy stacy well to be really funny uh I think I may have, I think I may have offended him Uh-oh. <laughs> by trying to break the ice. I was trying to break the ice. I was sitting in the front seat and he was sitting in the back seat and we were doing like a, a, uh, just a, not a take, but like a kind of a rehearsal. And, you know, he said his lines and I leaned back and I said, is that how you're going to do it? <laughs> no, just, just like, just joking with him. And he didn't see the joke at all. He's like, yeah, pretty much something, something pretty close to that. And then he just turned away. <laughs> like, oh man! Well, hey, take a shot. I we've known sarcasm. Sarcasm we, doesn't doesn't always win. No, we we've done two hundred <laughs> episodes of this show, and it always opens that way. <laughs> <laughs> we feel your pain on that, dude. So that's... so I basically saw him afterwards, and I was like, hey, you know, it's great to work with you. He's like, yeah, I'll see you at the junkets. I was like. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Now, <laughs> also great. briefly, great. Erica, you know, you mentioned she plays Allison. She, what an important role yeah. that was, too. Oh yeah, she, my oh, yeah, because it's it's the it it is the litmus test for everything else Jim's going through. Sure. Well, and it's kind of the future you're avoiding. Like it's staring. Yeah, it's it's just staring at you right there. I don't. This film is so beautifully crafted. Now, you know, we're focusing on your character because we're talking to you. 
but sure. everybody's going to pick up on that. Like Tyra's um, subplot that plays out kind of in the background is, yeah. is very powerful. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. You know, you know, it's, I'm going to warn you now in a year, whenever we can leave our house again and uh, California is not on fire. Uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I know I'm being optimistic here. One day we will go back to the Balboa theater and we will, we will do more um, film fest stuff. Don't be surprised if we try and harass you to come out <laughs> because we're going to try and show this film. I'm not even going to pretend like we're not. So we're talking <laughs> to Quinn tomorrow. Pleasure. I'm going to harass him. <laughs> It'd, it'd be my pleasure. Oh, you heard it here. That's a contract. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen's agreement. Uh, well, Vayu, this was uh, great uh, to speak with you. Anything uh, you want to plug? Uh, what, what, you got anything else uh, coming out here shortly? Uh, this is no. To be honest, it's been uh, it's been slow. Uh, this is this is what I got going on right now. Come on, you don't got a TikTok <laughs> or something? What the hell are you doing? No, I've been doing a lot of writing. So uh, I've I've written a couple of pilots of my own, and you oh, know, awesome. so that, that'll be the next thing that I'm working on. Oh, I hate you, God! You have like four talents. That's great. <laughs> We're barely scraping by on the shitty podcast, and you're over here writing scripts you and are doing... doing a great job. Hey, <laughs> hey, we got hey. sound clips now. We got a hey, soundboard. There, I'd give you a little shoulder rub. You guys are doing great. Uh, <laughs> only if you were wearing a glove, because I'm terrified of human contact. <laughs> exactly. Uh, also, I just want to point it out. There was a weird little bling that happened earlier on. That was our fucking engineer sending us a link to our Zoom chat or whatever after this. Randy, god damn you. That's that's all. <laughs> he ruined the interview. I missed, he ruined I missed the interview. It, but... Okay, good. Do you so what no social media at all? Oh, uh well, yeah, I I'm uh on Instagram at uh Vayu for the wind. Because Vayu means wind. Uh, okay. So, value for the wind. Love it. Good Christian then, name. Yeah, and then Twitter. Every once in a while, out of a blue moon, I'll, I'll tweet something at o underscore value. Just o underscore value. Pow- power to you. I, you know, yeah. w- we push the social media because it's really the only no, way. No, to- no, no, no. I should, I should push it more because you know, I've, I've got uh, friends that are doing CVS commercials basically on social media now and making money, and I just, I don't know. I just, got family. You know, just <laughs> yeah. keep it like work. You don't want to get trapped in there, like checking it all day. It's, oh, I got a lunch break. I'm going to look at my fucking Instagram feed. God, it That's messes right. with yeah. me mentally. Anyway, we'll, we'll put that out there. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Bye. Sounds good. Congratulations on the film. Uh, we love it. And, uh, you know, good luck, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> oh, it's great. Is that a I, eulogy I ending? It. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send you out to the ocean and fire arrows. I mean, I mean, I'm breathing in smoke as I say that. So it's uh, it's just all it's always there. Thank you for taking out the time, and um, it it was an honor talking with you. We're we're big fans Uh, of your work. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time as well, and hopefully we'll uh, meet each other in person next year at the Balboa. Let's do it, man. Thanks, by you. Okay, sounds good. All right, be well. Bye, man. Quinn, how are you, man? It's nice to meet you. Yeah, it's nice to meet you guys, too. Thanks so much for uh, setting this up. Of course. Uh, I'm Clark, and then uh, that's Russell over there. And, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, great. We uh, we had a great talk yeah. uh, with Vayu yesterday, uh, so we wanted to oh. catch up with you today. Nice. Don't believe anything he ever tells you. <laughs> he, you know, he, <laughs> he, uh, he did have a, a great story about his uh, very uh, awkward interaction um, he had with Stacey Keach uh, on set. Which one was that? They're, they're <laughs> that was when um, 
Vayu was telling us that uh, the first interaction he had with him was they, they had the one scene in the car, and uh, they did the scene, and then Vayu went looked back to the back of the car. He said, that's how you're going to do it, huh? And Stacey just said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stacey is simultaneously like a very like friendly and cuddly dude, but also terrifying. It's it's sort of like an on off switch with him. He's a really nice guy, but yeah, if, if he just every once in a while he'll just hit you with one of those sort of like Stacy Keach glances. Oh yeah, and you'll feel soul leave your body. I mean, it's one of the, I'm looking at his IMDb page right now, and it's one of those things where when you have 213 credits to your name, I, I think that you have amassed a certain attitude that you can uh, you know carry yourself with of. Uh, that uh, bestows a certain confidence in your skill set. Well, he came up during the 70s, which is a very different time. You know, that's a very, like, that's the Wild West. Yeah. Uh, In Hollywood, especially, and he was, like, right in the middle of it. He is, I mean, some of his sort of uh, extracurricular activities in those days, (laughs) you know, the stuff that everybody was doing. But, yeah, no wonder the guy's tough. Yeah, how how did you um how did you get him involved with the project? So we were doing a short version of this that was always meant to be like a proof of concept and uh I I had uh, hired a casting director for like 300 bucks um really just for the purpose of sending a letter to Stacy. Um the whole thing was that she was going to get in touch with his manager who would get the letter to Stacy. And I just wrote him, I had seen him in New York do a play called Other Desert Cities, um, which I had worked on in Seattle. And in it, he plays this sort of like Reagan-esque character. He's this kind of older actor who's very kind of authoritative and all that stuff. And and when we were thinking of this uh, movie, we were thinking, well, who's someone who's authoritative? has played like a lot of cops and and authority figures and that sort of thing, but also has like stage experience and stage presence so that they can just, you know, hold the camera speaking directly to it for that length of time. Mm-hmm. And there's, I mean, I can't, I still to this day can't think of anybody else um, who has all of those qualities. So we sent him this letter and uh, his agent said, okay, send over the script. This was the short script. It's like seven pages long. And then we didn't hear anything for a month. And we were like, okay, this game is over. And then a month later, I got a single, an email that was a single line that says Stacy likes it. And we were like, what does, <laughs> what does that mean? Like, wh- is he going to do it? Is like, wh- what is, what is this? But then, you know, cut to three months later and he was, you know, with us in a warehouse in uh, the San Fernando Valley shooting the short. Um, and so we just brought him on. I mean, there was never any question of, of uh, whether we were going to bring him on for the feature. He just absolutely nailed it every time. Oh yeah. Perfect. Especially, you know, for, for, um, you know, the conceit of, of what you were going for, you, you need that presence. And he definitely delivered on that end. Uh, so Quinn, uh, just to give you a, a heads up on, on what we do over here, uh, we, we actually run a found footage, uh, film festival, uh, and might I add the only, uh, pure found footage film festival in North America. Thank you very much. And, uh, we, we love 
mixed media. And uh, so needless to say, you know, we're, we're big found footage fans. We love mixed media and anything VHS, we eat it up. So when we found out about survival skills, we're like, well, this is definitely up our alley. And then, you know, this blew us away. So uh, we're just uh, excited to talk about uh, this. And I know that Vayu let us in a little bit of a, a technical uh, feat that you did to, to get that certain um, uh, look that you were going for with the VHS uh, blur. And uh, so, Russ, did you want to open up with that, maybe? Of, of, no, of, no, the I, wizardry? Now, uh, Clark's correct. We, we were blown away with your film. And I have one burning question. Quinn, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 32. Oh, God, you look so young. Are you drinking, yeah. like, baby blood or something? What the hell? I swear to you. So, okay, so if you could see me in person, I, I look like a child. Uh, <laughs> I always have. Quinn, have Quinn we, we, are, we are akin. We, I'm very similar in that regard. Well, my hair is, like, 70% gray um, now. It's and it's significantly grayer after doing survival skills. <laughs> so I have I finally, if I'm in person, I look kind of like an adult. Um, I didn't get carded the other day, which was a big step for me. Dude, uh, have you ever been carded buying a movie? <laughs> God, I, I that hasn't happened in a while. Okay, uh, I got I got carded at an R-rated movie. I'm gonna say. Well, you're going you're going to a movie. <sighs> Five six years ago, I have I have a buddy who and doesn't. I'm 34 look young. years old. He got carded at a fucking GameStop for trying to buy like Resident Evil. Really? Yeah, the I movie. Mean, look, man, I get it. Anyway, Quinn, I just wanted to see if we could be friends or not. Because if you're gonna tell me that you're like 25, I was just gonna hate you. Because no, no. Okay, good. <laughs> Because, dude, your film is next level. And again, you know, we watch a lot of these in-world camera narrative features. And I, I end up feeling like the VHS tape shot on video kind of is the Wes Anderson of uh, the um, in-world camera, where it's kind of more cute or like it's quirky. And there's really not a lot of substance there. Like they're really not doing anything with the medium. Yet your film, it completely proved me wrong. And just taking the, the parameters of being a training video and then using the format of the VHS tape to impact emotional narrative and storytelling devices was, I haven't seen it done. And um, now that I know you're 32, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> if I had the gall to make this movie without ever living through the VHS era, it would be unacceptable. Oh, we, we have a guest on the show regularly, uh, Chuggy, who survived the mall shooting. He likes to try and tell me how to, how to work my VCR. And I'm like, you motherfucker, you were born in 1990. They were on their way out. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, if, I'd love to hear why you chose these strict parameters to tell your, your story. Well, so the, the whole thing started with the sort of combination of ideas of talking about like the domestic violence angle um, and these wacky VHS training videos, which I like taking things that should not be together and having, you know, having them be together because they're trying to pull apart and that generates a little energy. Um, the, the VHS thing at the end of the day, like the reason we were so strict about it is because we couldn't, we you can't not be, you can't use a filter. 
Um, they just don't work. We tried everyone. We tried all the fancy plugins that you can get for like After Effects and, and all these programs. And it just doesn't work. Um, so the, the process itself, the physical process of using VCRs is so medieval uh, and so uncompromising that because if you try to add uh, visual effects, if you try to add digital effects on top of the VCR, you'll be able to tell instantly. So we had to do it all on in physical media on the uh, on the VCRs themselves, um, just for just to make it not uh, just to make it consistent. Um, if I could have done it in an easier way, I would have loved to, but. But uh, no, it's 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 the medium kind of dictated that itself. You know what I mean? No, and I we appreciate it because you're right. You can get a filter. Actually, I I know an indie company that does a really good video, like a uh, shot on video. Remember, we were fucking around with it before. It's for your phone. And it's a free download. You oh, know, I'll yeah. put I'll put it in the show notes. They're really cool. Um, but it like for a feature, it's really got to be real. I'm more curious why. Why the training video platform? Well, there's something so horrible about them. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> you know, so about the, especially the ones from the 80s and that sort of Reagan era thing. Um, like, survival skills is pretty light on the actual horrible stuff that you find in those training videos, which are just these alarmist, paranoid, racist homophobic, like everything you can say about them. Um, they are these awful documents of history. And this was, you know, 2016. Um, uh, we've had a few people talk to us about like, wow, this, you know, how like this movie is so timely. Um, this, you know, this was not about timeliness for us. The, the awful conditions under which police are trained is nothing new. And and by the way, like we have a little featurette on the Fantasia website. You can watch this little featurette about training videos. And one of the things we learned is this is not a thing of the past. There's a dude named uh, Dave Grossman who teaches at, he's a hugely sought after speaker at police academies. He's taught at the FBI, all this stuff. His philosophy is called killology. Oh. And basically it is that Police should be psychologically trained to kill and not feel bad about it. Huh. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, seriously. I mean, look him up. He is. He is a. I mean, I don't know him personally, and and all that caveats. But I feel comfortable saying, "Fuck that guy." <laughs> what is he like? Ex-military? Oh God, he looks like a fucking ex-Nazi. Oh yeah, he's. he's <laughs> a lot of these guys are. A lot of these guys are ex-military who bring that like military mindset to policing as though those two jobs are at all analogous or should be within like a million miles of each other. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, it's just a kind of a creep. I think he's, he bought into this sort of like, like militarist alpha male kind of thing and, and has inflicted it on everybody else, which is shitty. Dude, so I looked him up. We were joking. Born in Germany, he was a uh, lieutenant in the army. I, I think this is a—he's a perfect example of. Um, actually, your film's a really good example of people who mean well 
and then they go into training and it's kind of like the morality is trained out of them. Your, your film does such a good job of kind of like you just said, it was, it wasn't made for the time. Like it's not a reaction to what's going on now yet. You've kind of created a very nuanced conversation about how we could end up here. And actually dating it to the eighties, a training video is kind of like, it's almost an explanation. Mm. <laughs> it's the story in the world. Now, how um, do you how do you feel about it coming out now? Like, do you think it hinders your film or it helps it? I mean, it's complicated. It feels sort of like you know, craven in a way to even like talk about it. You know, in like hurting or helping the movie because there's so much more going on. Um, I think. You know, I was terrified because uh, we we released um, we premiered at Cinequest back in March, yeah, and, and that was you know COVID was just hitting the festival got cut in half. No one was talking about film festivals at that moment. Now we're at Fantasia, which is a bigger platform, and people are are actually paying attention. And I was so scared. I was so terrified that people were going to be like this fucking pro cop, like copaganda, copaganda. Yep. Yeah. And, and thankfully I, I haven't, I haven't heard a word of that. I haven't heard anybody say anything like that. Um, it's, I don't know. It's like being, you know, a butterfly in a hurricane. Like, the movie is out there kind of flapping around in the midst of much, much bigger forces. And I like to think it can add to the conversation in a way because it is about like, where does this come from? Where does this behavior, why are the cops reacting the way they are? Where, like, what, what is the origin of all this? And I wish I could go deeper into it. I wish I could talk about the military. I wish I could talk about all that stuff. Um, but yeah, mainly I, 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 I think it's helpful in a way, I guess, to be topical, but, um, mainly we're just trying to think of how we are helping or hurting the conversation, you know? Yeah. Okay, good. That, that's all I need to talk about that. <laughs> Again, you're here because we're nerds and we love the platform. And um, you're a nerd. I'm cool. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a correction to put in the notes. Now, where did the inspiration come for this film? Are you are you a fan of the genre, or were you worried about like the stigma? Like, I don't I don't know if it really extends to. Um, oh, what would we call this? Like, it's kind of a faux documentary. But it's not really, it's definitely an in-world camera film. But, uh, you know, the horror community where found footage It's an footage instructional film, video, so yeah, that would fall under the... But it's a comedy, and I feel like that's kind of immune to it. Anyway, there's... Actually, it's a comedy, and it's very dark. Anyway, a lot, you know, the horror community has a lot of stigma for found footage horror films. And not that your film's a horror, but were you, were you worried that this wouldn't be embraced by any community particularly? That's a weird question. I, I like it. <laughs> I get what you mean. Like, it's kind of neither here nor there. Like, cause I think if you, if you roll up to it and you're like, okay, cool. We're going to watch this, like, you know, uh, this, this horror movie and it's going to have this like chirpy exterior and then it's going to get really horrific. You're going to be kind of, uh, 
perhaps not super receptive to the, you know, the end of the second act where it becomes just like a really thorough look at how victims of domestic violence are treated. That's probably not what you came for. Um, I think there's, there's a version of this movie that was more genre-y um, and more uh, kind of primed for audiences. But this was this movie was made for nothing. Um, like it is, it is shocking to me that we actually made our days and then finished the movie. And it was sort of like you know, beg, borrow, and steal uh, to get the budget. I threw you know some of my money into it and and all that. And as far as I was concerned, I was treating it like I have one shot, and I don't want to waste it trying to make what I think other people want, um, trying to occupy a space that is already filled. Like, you know, what am, what am I going to do? How am I going to make better movies than, you know, like Charlie Kaufman or somebody who's already in this space doing their own thing? Or on the other side, make better um, horror movies than, oh God, like Mike Flanagan or the people who are working now. So I, I figure, you know, it's a smaller space that I occupy, but it's my space. Finding your voice. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's all you can do, because there's always going to be somebody better than you at any one thing. There's always going to be someone who's better with camera, who's better with actors, who's a better writer, all this stuff. The only thing you can really be the best at is your own voice. Sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's tough trying to talk, like... We, we live in these kind of films and the, the different approach a filmmaker like you needs to take to unravel a story just because the camera is something that the actor is looking at and even playing up to. Like when we were talking to Vayu, it was so interesting hearing him talk about developing a character that's supposed to, he's playing an actor in a training video mm-hmm. who is overacting because that's all these training videos. They're usually non-actors yet. He's supposed to break out and find a life. So he's almost being born on camera. How do you even approach writing a character like that? You, you, I think what I'm looking for is there's a clear drama we're exploring here, yet there's so much comedy that doesn't undermine the, the voice of the movie at all. And, you know, one of my favorite parts that we talked about last time was, um, what, what is the officer's name? Jim? Jim. Yes. Jim. Yeah, Jim, when he's talking to his dad and your use of a laugh track there, like this totally ingenuine moment. And it, you know, you know what it is? It's being in the audience's seat. That's what I'm asking about. You're very aware of what the audience is thinking. Mm-hmm. And in that point in the movie, we're really looking for him to connect to somebody meaningfully. And, and you undermine it. Or, uh, give me, yeah. turn a question out of this, Clark. <laughs> I'm sorry. When I, when I end up liking these movies so much, I just want to talk at you about them because we had such a great experience here. And when we curate a film fest, like we do, we're always worried that it, that we're a weird target audience and it's not going to translate wide. So there we go. You, you actually got to play at Cinequest. Um, in case you didn't know, we're located what? How many miles? Like 40, 40 miles away. And there are arch enemy. They, uh, they're a much, <laughs> they're a much bigger fest with better money. They are not our arch enemy. And they steal films that we want. We are our arch enemy. I know. 
<laughs> and it's like every now and then, dude, we've had to, we've um, pleaded with a couple filmmakers and we're just like, hey, if you come here with us, we'll have a room full of people who will understand your film. And uh, no, we can't offer you a limo or anything or yeah. high fives or a big platform. But yeah. So how, how was it showing the film at Cinequest? Um, it was it was weird because no one was like present fully because everybody was freaking out because it was the end of the world. Um, uh, we like literally halfway through, we got two of our screenings and then the festival shut down. Um, it was, it was strange being in the audience for it because like, and this, this kind of speaks to some of what you were saying earlier about like subverting expectations and, and that sort of thing. Um, I think if I have a strong quality as a, as a storyteller, it's my sadism. Um, I, 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 I'm fully behind that. I have no, I used to sort of be like, should I not be so mean to these characters and to these audiences? But you know, we are where we are. Um, um, and I, it was interesting because I think the moments watching it with an audience that I most enjoyed were the moments they least enjoyed. Uh, like, you know, the, there's a, uh, in the scene where Jim is, is, uh, talking to the daughter of the, uh, abusive husband and he's taking her statement. Um, there is a five minute or four and a half minute long unbroken, take that is a stationary camera with the two of them facing each other with nothing interesting happening like very intentionally nothing interesting happening in the frame um just a long litany of horrible horrible things that this man has done to this woman uh and i one of my favorite moments watching the movie with an audience was just sitting there in absolute silence during that it felt like people were afraid to breathe which <laughs> is exactly what i wanted and and you know you can feel resentment it's it's crazy so i come from uh theater my my background is a, as a stage actor and it's it's crazy once you sort of you know get used to it you can feel the weirdest subtlest things from an audience you can feel when a silence is like, oh my God, we're super into this. And when a silence is like, this is making me really uncomfortable. Um, and it was a hundred percent making them really uncomfortable. And I could not be happier about that. Well, Quinn, I, I was a former uh, stand-up comedian. So I, all that, I know that all too well. <laughs> my God, you guys know it better than we do. We at least have the play to hide behind. We got, we're out there in the, in the naked, baby. <laughs> Wide open. But that's that's stand up comedy. I've done all sorts of performances. I've done all, like stand up comedy is the only thing that scares me, as far as like standing up in front of people and trying to tell jokes. That's so scary to me. But if you're not scared, Quinn, what's the point? You gotta yeah. have some sort of investment. That's it. That's the juice, baby. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's the thing with this with this movie is you know if you're not like doing something weird, if you're not taking a risk. So then you might as well go work for the studios. So is Cinequest, th that's your only time you've been able to sit in an audience uh, with the audience watching the film. Is that right? Yep. And I'm so bummed out that I can't watch it with an audience now with what's going on in, in the world. I'm so like, 
you know, that is the most minor of the many injustices happening in the world right now. Sure. But I wish I could uh, sit and experience it with people because I, I have the, like, I can go off the reviews and the things people are saying online about the movie and people are really positive and that sort of thing. But I really wish I could feel it. I could feel how they were, uh, how they were responding. I'm like an energy vampire in that way. I do it <laughs> yeah. all just so I can sit in the audience and, and feed. But see that that's that's one of the big differences. I mean, obviously, there's many differences between stand up and and you know. But but I, what I'm saying is that with stand up. The reaction is immediate, and then you know you go up the next night, and then based off what you saw from that audience last night, you can tweak things. There's not really much you can tweak at, at your point, so you're just you're just stuck with those reactions, right? Yeah, which is so that's why you have to do this kind of you know varsity level rationalization that I'm doing, where if people don't like something, it's good. You just have to you just have to make it work in your own brain. Just double down. So spending the whole time freaking out. Yeah. You can just be there and be like, well, that's the reaction that I intended, so it's okay. Okay. Now um, but but does but but does that really like let's say if there's one specific thing that may be stuck in your craw and it really stuck with you while you're writing a next project. And if you come across a situation similar to that where you were in the screening, do you alter your writing based off that audience's reaction to that certain situation that may be similar to what you're creating? No, I mean, I, I'm working at such a low level in terms of budget that it's not really my job to, uh, in the writing stage, it's not really my job in the writing stage to entertain anybody. Um, that's my job as a director. That's not my job as a writer. Um, as a writer, my job is to try to create a, a, a playground, essentially mm-hmm. a playground that is worth playing in. Um, so that when you walk away from the movie, your mind can still play in that playground. Um, and that's like, that's one way of doing things. There are incredible movies that are not about that way of doing things at all. Um, but for me, like, I don't, I know, uh, a lot of writers or friends of mine who like beat out their scripts and like try to find like, we need a thrilling moment for the end of act one and a big thing here and a big thing there. And I, I've tried to do that and it just, there's no juice, you know, there's no, it's, it's just becomes mechanical in my hands. Yeah. So all I can do is, uh, try to sort of follow, follow the thread, the original thread that made me want to write the thing. And for survival skills, it was, just a really simple uh, thing that I keep returning to again and again in everything that I do, which is that there should be no excuses for uh, our moral choices. Our moral choices should be that we have to own them entirely. Like no, you can't be a soldier in a war and shoot someone and say, well, I was a soldier in a war. That's not my moral responsibility. That's my commanding officer's moral responsibility. I know a lot of people do believe that, but I don't. And that idea 
really animated survival skills. And it's one of the reasons, um, no one's really talked about this because it's a very sort of minor thing in the movie. But a couple people have noticed there's a lot of crosses in the movie, um, in the backgrounds of certain shots. There was a lot of crucifixes and things like that. And for me, it's one of those tiny little uh, clues in the background to, you know, one of the things that I'm talking about, which is no one can be responsible for your sins. You can't give your life over to a training video. You can't give your life. Stacey Keach cannot tell you how to live your life. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> that was how it worked. But, but it doesn't. Um, and that goes for, you know, cops. And that goes for... Uh, uh, prophets from the first century. Uh, no one, no one can take moral responsibility for anyone else. Now, and, Quinn, how many, how many rewrites of the script did you do? Uh, like rewrites, rewrites, probably four or five, but there was a lot of constant, um, tweaking and touching up and, and that sort of thing. And then of course there's, you know, massive rewrites during uh post we had we got really lucky because we shot the bulk of the movie in uh april of 2018 but we shot all the stuff with stacy like six months later so we got to edit the whole movie and if there was ever a transition that didn't work or we're like oh we need to get from here to here and we don't know how or this is clunky we would just be like oh we'll have stacy <laughs> It was great. It was such a, it, it's, it's a cheat. It's a storytelling cheat to have a narrator just walk you through it. But, oh, I'm so happy I had it. Well, you also had the, um, the benefit of the platform being a clunky narrative device anyway, because, yeah. you know, me and Clark have been watching training videos, um, just on our downtime because it's, cause we, cho- we know how to spend time wisely, right? It, it's kind of a beautiful, um, window into a, a, a time where a lot of people who didn't belong on TV weren't getting there. Not like now with YouTube and TikTok, but you know, training videos was perfect. They just grab somebody off the line and be like, hey, man, you're an actor today. And you, oh, go ahead. No, no, please. Oh, have you seen any of the uh, the cop training videos from that era? No, we've only watched like, what did we watch? A country kitchen buffet? Yeah, it was a, <laughs> a, a carving station at a buffet. Fantastic. I, I have a Michael's training video that I stole when I was working at Aaron Brothers. Yeah. So you guys may have heard of this, uh, this one with the found footage festival and everything, but check out surviving edged weapons oh no write it down yeah we we pulled uh, a few things from that one it is it is significantly crazier than our movie is like our movie you know there's a version of survival skills that completely ignores the domestic abuse stuff and just becomes like a parody just a crazier and crazier comedy and essentially that movie is surviving edged weapons it's like they gave a film student like $30,000 to make this training video. And the film student was like, okay, this is my opus. It opens with like, with two cavemen sort of like, you know, gabbling at each other and that sort of thing. And then one takes a rock and stabs the other. And then the narrator (laughs) comes in and is like, since the dawn of time, men have been using edged weapons to kill each other. And it gets weirder from there. It's so good. Wait, but it's, it's real. It looks like it's a comedy. No, it's real. It's uh, it's Caliber Press. It's from 1988. It's um, that that's probably I've seen you know 
dozens and dozens of these things at this point. That's probably the weirdest one. There's a couple fun uh, satanic panic ones as well. Yeah. That are like, there's, there's one where they, they hire, quote unquote, hired this ex um, Satanist to show them the signs of Satanism in a public park. And he's, he's walking along and he's like, ah, see, here we have a pentagram. And there is, there's a pentagram spray painted on a tree that is the wrong way up. So it's just a star, first of all. <laughs> and the, see that the paint is still wet, that they did it themselves. And as he's walking in, he's doing this whole speech about like, uh, this park is mostly frequent, frequented by uh, Satanists and homosexuals. And the two communities essentially overlap, oh, which, fuck. which is just the most ridiculous bullshit I've ever heard. <laughs> it's like funny now, but it, holy shit, the, the, the sort of naked display of, of, their, of those regressive attitudes is kind of crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm an avid uh, Dungeons and Dragons player, and I have one of those pamphlets in my dresser drawer right next to my bed. Oh, the chick traps. Yep. Right. Yep. yep. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's so it's it's crazy how far we've moved in maybe what forty years. Like, yeah, society is is nuts. Um, I, I don't, we we got on a tangent. I so back to your script. I was asking about the rewrites because I'm curious if you ever had the cameraman play a larger role in the film. Well, sorry, I'm eating tofu and I thought I would have a bit longer. Oh, no, no, I can keep going. There's a moment in the film where um, Jim is clearly off track. And one of the things that we love in our film fest when we're looking at um, in-world camera is just the character of the camera because it kind of gives the film nerd audience a... um, an outlet for mental energy and every cut, every pan, every, everything means something normally because the film is edited and shot by a character. So in your film, one of the, one of the moments that spoke truest to this theme was Jim's walking a direction where the camera is clearly anticipating him to go yet. He veers away and the camera has to pan back to get him in frame. And even back to like Man Bites Dog and uh, what's another one? Creep 2 had a really good moment with it. They, they have, you know, the cameraman kind of becomes a villain in the process. And I was curious if the cameraman was ever at fault in your script. It's, it's tricky. That moment where in the park where the cameraman, you know, sort of disobeys and goes and, and follows Jim is such a like, that was such a tricky moment. That was maybe the trickiest moment in writing the script. Um, because I didn't, I didn't want to complicate the sort of moral universe of, of the movie with a, with another God essentially. Cause yeah. we've got one guy, we've got Stacy over here and he's a God and we don't need another one. So like finding for me, it was, it was about finding that balance where we're hinting that at, around the artifice and taking as full advantage of the artifice as we can. But like, if we had had the, my feeling is if we had had the camera be a bigger part of it, then when the third act comes and we blow out the aspect ratio and, and we're in the real world, um, we would still, we would be going, where's the cameraman? 
Oh, that's a uh, good point. You know, so I want to like, I, I want to, I wanted to keep the intimacy with Jim. I wanted to keep the focus on him because, you know, there's like, you watch stuff like the office, um, and they, you know, these mockumentary TV shows get away with it because they are what they are and it's fine. But if you had a really serious scene between two people, you'd be like, the, the cameraman is in the room. Yep. Why are, why are they being so vulnerable when there's a cameraman staring like, you know, two inches away on a 50 millimeter lens? Um, so we were trying to like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, that's one of the things with, with survival skills. There are so many like versions of it that I would have, that I would have loved to do as well Is you know, there's a version of it where like, you know, I don't know, Jim and the cameraman like are in cahoots and they go and kill Stacy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you, there's, I think it worked out well though, because you talk about Stacy as being a God and it kind of feels like we're living in his world and the cameraman is simply like a hired gun. But the cameraman is also the vessel. It's our connection from the audience to the film. So the the internal dilemma playing in our cameraman is it's a reflection of the audience. And I think it being super subtle is great. And it, it couldn't have worked out better. So I almost feel like you you uh, you look at it as a weakness of the film. Um. Not, not not like a weakness per se. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of this stuff around the camera is, you know, uh, an outcropping of what I was talking about earlier with sort of moral sadism. You know, I'm interested yeah. in rubbing the audience's face in their uh, in in you know their complicity with the comedy. That's that's the reason the jokes are there is is so that we can laugh and laugh and laugh until we stop laughing. Um, <laughs> you nailed it by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's like it's it's audiences today are so media savvy. They're so media literate. Um they're so they're so good at predicting twists and predicting uh structures and and there's also this thing where they expect certain structures and they can get you know pissed off if they don't get those the things that they came for that I think one of the ways to get around that is to get real confrontational with them get really get you know go go farther into real darkness not you know people chopping other people people's heads off or sort of cartoonish gore or stuff like that but get into you know getting into the things you don't see as much um at moments where the audience is not expecting them when their guard's not up uh you know we're trying to get their guard down that's the whole first you know 30 40 minutes of the movie is just trying to get your guard down um so that we can so that we can come hit you later yeah even just the conceit of the movie I think it does a really good job of that. Like oh, it's fun. I, yeah, it's fun, bright thing. Yeah. And it, it, you really come in there and it's like, Oh, this is going to be fun. And then it is fun. And then it starts and it's like, Oh, it's actually kind of clever too. And then the, you know, <laughs> it yeah, takes you then, on a ride. Dad, he's beating mommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> this is the thing. I'm not like, I think people expect filmmakers to sort of cater to them. And like, because of course you're buying a product, 
Sure. You know, you are, and I'm trying to sell you something, but I don't have anything to lose. You know, this is, we made this movie for nothing. I'm not your friend. Quinn gets it, man. He gets Um, it. He's not in the the Christopher Nolan (laughs) handholding with all the exposition bullshit. Quinn gets it. I will get away with this for as long as I can um, because I don't think there's enough of it. And because I don't think people, I think people are, uh, you know, rightfully when money gets involved, they get real nervous about uh, this kind of aggression. Which is also like not the only way of doing things. Um, my my producer uh, Colin West is also a filmmaker, really amazing filmmaker, uh, and we have this little game we play where we'll start with the same premise, and his versions of the stories always end up with people like learning lessons and you know it sort of evolving as people, and mine always end up with them murdering each other, and both are good, like both are good and fine, and we need both. Um, so I'm not presenting this as like the way movies should be made, just the way I like to do it. So Quinn, well, what 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 can you tell us that uh, you're working on you uh, that we can see from you in the future? Um, I'll give you I'll give you a title for the next one. Um, we're actually we're going to be shooting the next one in uh, in April. It is uh, it's quite similar to survival skills um, in certain respects. And it's called Dead Teenagers. Oh, I love it. Quinn, I, you know, I'm sorry for assuming that you were like 24 and I had to hate you because uh, opinionated filmmakers are exactly what I love. One of my favorite memories of being in the theater was going to see Spring Breakers on the fourth floor of the AMC down here on Van Ness and half of the crowd getting up and walking out. Because they thought it was going to be a very easy Selena Gomez movie, and <laughs> little did they know uh, it was Gummo. And Quinn, you yeah, rule, I dude. Trash numbers instead. Oh, f- oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Quinn. Yeah, we love you. Yeah. Uh, Rush, you got anything uh, for Quinn before we cut him loose? So, if for. Unnamed Footage Festival 4, that's our film fest. If we figure out a way to show Trash Humpers, would you want to be a part of it? <laughs> okay, when you say <laughs> a part of it, what exactly are you saying? Well, because, of course... I don't want to show up and hand me, like, a rubber mask, and I gotta do some stuff. Oh, you're cosplay. Okay, yeah, never mind then. I, <laughs> no, I, it's no joke. But I'm not getting trapped like this again. <laughs> no, dude, I, uh, I I have to tell you. So we tricked Fantasia into letting us cover them. And all the people that listen to our show, they're all like industry or they're all, you know, like screenplay writers and stuff. And when people found out, I got a bunch of texts. All of them said, have you seen this movie or watch this movie? And they were all survival skills. So I, I'm not joking. I didn't get one recommendation for any other movie. What? I'm not. And it's, it's a testament to good filmmaking and in world camera narrative. I think people just know who we are and it's no secret that, uh, whenever the fuck we can show movies in a public setting again, we're, we're going to be bugging you because we, oh, we, yeah. we would love to show it. Oh, hell yeah. Um, that's very, that's very nice. I, I know I'm sort of like with everything I said earlier, I'm sort of conflicted by how, I mean, people have been really nice about this movie and I'm sort of conflicted. Cause I'm like, did I not make it mean enough? <laughs> like, 
I don't know, but no, I'll I'll take I'll take the I'll take the good reviews every time. No, I I, I, I good game, but I'm really you tremendously as we all are, dude. Quinn, uh, you you made a topical film, not intentionally. That is a very nuanced conversation in a world of very partisan politics. It's it's not something people are used to, and it, it's not of their own accord. And I think it's really refreshing when people get to watch it. And also it's fun. So I, you know, I think it's, it's just great. And And it's also done through a format that's sort of, uh, both foreign and familiar. Yeah. Because it's either, it's either going to be one of those two things because, you know, training videos, I mean, we, we've all had terrible nine to fives and we've all had to sit in a room for 45 minutes and watch this video before you can start your shift or, you know, VHS. So, uh, both of those things are very relatable and you, you're just thrown into the world. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks, guys. That's uh, it's, it's this is the first of I think like eight or nine. Uh, people are doing a lot of podcast stuff and interviews over that sort of thing, and I am I'm profoundly terrified of you know talking about this movie, of people seeing this movie, all that stuff. It's my first feature, you know how it is. Yeah. Um, but this has been this has been really nice. It's been nice talking to you guys because it's like. I don't know. I've talked to a few people who are like, yeah, we, you know, we really liked how you did the, the VHS thing. And they will, they'll go into this whole thing where I'm like, Oh, you don't get why I did the VHS. Thing. <laughs> You're like, co- like, it's cool. You can talk about, you know, like post-structural theory and all that stuff, all you want, but that's not why we're doing VHS. Well, you um, know, we all project on the films we're watching. And when I, I honestly didn't think of a lot of the stuff Clark just mentioned, or even just, you know, the accountability, what I was thinking of is just how you used the medium narratively. And there are moments where it's, you know, a climactic emotional scene and it gets shut out by static. And I just, I had such a like epiphany there. And I was like, this is beautiful. I've never seen that done. And I I think, Quinn, it's really, you're just firing on all cylinders with this movie. And it's great. Well, thank you. Well, I'm I'm hoping in, oof, uh, actually almost exactly about a year, I'm hoping we'll be able to, I'll be able to come back on and we can talk about dead teenagers. Because if you guys, if you guys were into survival skills, I I think you will, I think you'll like what we've got cooking for dead teenagers. Now, Quinn, typically I don't like talking about (laughs) dead teenagers, but I'll make a special exception for you. (laughs) Yeah, I've gotten, I've gotten in trouble with a few people when I've told them the title and they're like, Quinn. (laughs) In America right now, you cannot have a movie called Dead Teenagers. Like now's the time. It. I'd argue we need a movie. Exactly. I think teenagers. it will mend our fractured nation. That's what I think. Also, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Too much pressure on me here. Well, it depends on who kills them. If they're aliens dropping out of the sky, I don't know. Maybe you'll bring the human race together. Just not the <laughs> COVID. I know. <laughs> well, Quinn, thanks again, man. No worries. Thank you guys so much. This is great.